0: I mean, I took a good 15-year break.
1: That seems to be like the... That is like everybody's story. It's getting to the point where it's a joke on most podcasts. It's like everyone had like a 10, 15-year break. Yeah,
0: I mean, mine was... I literally just... I couldn't do it anymore because I was traveling for two sports and then playing a third in the offseason.
1: Which sports were you playing?
0: Uh, I I traveled nationally for hockey and lacrosse. I... Several hockey things I,
1: and I, I, things back there. I see, I see. Yeah, i, I played uh I played pee wee hockey um in the '90s, which surprised us no one because the Mighty Ducks were huge, and um I like that was my jam. Um we, we played hockey during the the on season, and then on the off season we played street hockey. Um and we would wear like straight black uh we wear like jet black um hoodies because it wasn't like an official league or anything like that. Um for the uh street hockey. Um, we would wear jet black hoodies, uh, black jeans, and uh, and my skates were all black uh, with yellow wheels. Uh, and we would drive to like the or ride to the other neighborhoods and challenge their like the teams from the off season to hockey. <laughs> like it was like little little like ten year old little like assholes <laughs> like skating around demanding hockey. Um, so
0: we actually do have that in the winters. Um, my neighborhood, so I have a lake about probably 500 feet that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, like, there's three lakes in the area. Um, So there's my neighborhood, and then there's the the neighborhood right next to us. Um, And uh, I think since I was, like, we moved here when I was five. I think since I was, like, six or seven, I was playing with the adults, and we were playing pond hockey Mm -hmm. um, when it got cold enough in the winter. And then, like, five or six years ago, some guys from Detroit and Minnesota moved in, that have like legit ice drills and one of them goes out every single night to surface the ice so you basically run hot water over the top of it and it melts the top of it so it freezes overnight and it, it keeps it nice and smooth and keeps it nice and hard and like so when i was growing up it was just we were playing on whatever and now it's like we practically have an outdoor rink
1: that's amazing for
0: a good three or four weeks during the winter
1: do you, do you still play hockey um no uh, I tore, so
0: I tore my knee out senior year of high school for the second time. I'm sorry, man. Um, and eh, it's whatever. Uh, I got over it quickly. Um, sort of. I, and then I played one year at club at CU and yeah. then I haven't really played since other than like, I'd rather skate than run or do anything else really. So I'll go out when the, when the lake's frozen, I'll go out at night and turn lights on, floodlights on and, and just go skate for a couple hours.
1: That's actually really rad, man. Do you when when it's not winter then when there's no freeze, do you do you inline skate or anything like that or is it just you love the ice?
0: Uh I mean, I love the ice. Um it's also just different. Like rollerblading is just so much different. Um I have I think I still have a pair of of like inline rollerblades that'll still fit me, but I I haven't looked in a long time. Um occasionally I'll do I'll go do like steak and puck at a at a local ice rink stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it, with with inline, it doesn't it doesn't feel the same. Like you don't feel like you're like skates. Almost feel like magnets. Almost like when you're on the ice, like you can feel you just getting pulled. Like you're going like kind of like yeah. With uh, skates, you're just I don't know. it Just doesn't feel the same. Uh, There's also some go ahead like the
0: cold air on your face when you're just skating around a ring full blast is is just nothing that you can't really compare it other than like downhill skiing.
1: Right, right. Snowboarding, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. snowboarding.
0: Uh, I mean, I guess a motorcycle, depending on how cold it is. But depending on how cold it is, you don't really want to be riding it.
1: It's Wisconsin, so they do. Uh, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I see chat gang showing up here. So what is up, chat gang? I am the magical Mr. Mephisto. Welcome to Rantcast 75. I am joined tonight by uh, Colorado Greg, as I kind of know him in chat. How's it going, man? Not too bad. Not too bad. He is, of course... Uh, uh, Team America ETC uh, player for what will be going on three years now, four years?
0: Uh, I was a coach the first year, and then I was selected to be a player Ooh. last year. Obviously, COVID happened, and then um, we just about two weeks ago announced our team for this year, and I'll be a player on that this year again as well.
1: Yeah, so congratulations on, on making the team again this year. Hopefully, I'm I'm pumped. I, I have faith. I, I think it's going to happen, what, August? August 2021? I think yes, it's going to happen. I believe in the team. USA, USA, let's go. <laughs> so, uh, We're going to, of course, uh, for episode 75 tonight, we're going to be having a, uh, a I call it casual conversation about competitive AOS, and we'll see where the winds take us. Um, you caught the cold open there. Uh, we are talking a little bit about hockey, which we do share a little bit in common. Oddly enough, when I moved up from North Carolina to Minnesota, uh, we didn't have a hockey team, so I couldn't play hockey anymore. It was the weirdest wow. thing. Yeah, I know. Just the one town in Minnesota that did not have a hockey team.
0: <laughs> That's really funny because uh, we actually mo- So I lived in Arkansas for a year and a half, um, and we moved back because there were no ice rinks. The closest ice rink was an hour and a half away.
1: Yeah, disgusting. <laughs> Well, the thing is, and I'm sorry to interrupt uh, my own Age of Sigmar show with some hockey talk, but but hockey families are like a it's like a lifestyle unto itself with the the traveling and the community that like there's there's the way that the hockey team works with the minors. You can make a real career out of hockey in a way that you football. It's kind of luck of the draw basketball a little bit, too. But you can you go your whole life playing hockey, trying to transition through. Oh, go ahead.
0: I, I don't know if I'd call it a career, because most of those guys are, like, eating bologna on tortillas for food and living with host families.
1: Fair enough. But <laughs> Fair enough.
0: Uh, I do – I have a couple former teammates that have been doing that. I mean, I'm – I think they stopped a little while ago. I'm 29 now. Um, but, you know, they they were doing that for a long, long time after they graduated from high school, if right. they didn't go further.
1: Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, uh, actually – I think that, that kind of gives me a decent, like, first question. You mentioned a little bit about, a um, little bit, like, sort of off-air, we talked a little bit, how you got into Age of Sigmar early, you took a break. Do you think that, like, you, you do have a... Do you consider yourself a competitive player? Like, by default, do you... Like, what's your, what's your I guess, view on on the sort of landscape of Age of Sigmar?
0: I mean, I'm a competitive person in general. Um, if you start arguing with me, I'll argue just for the fun of it at some points, mm-hmm. um, which Bill gets mad at me for sometimes. Uh <laughs> So I mean I can turn pretty much anything into a competition, to my own detriment sometimes. But yeah, I, I really like the state of where AOS was, which it was a little touch and go with the new general's handbook. But um, once I actually like started playing games and getting back into it, I I, I really enjoyed uh, what they did with the newest uh, the newest missions more than anything.
1: Oh yeah, the fantastic GHB. am I'm, I'm one of my my greatest sort of sorrows this year has been how great I think this GHB is. And how little time I've personally got to spend with it, because I have to travel for my community. You know, I got to go to Milwaukee, I got to go to Madison, and that's just kind of, kind of out of the question. So I'm basically playing games myself. If you can see this little, like three by three table here. Sure. <laughs>
0: like, uh, I'll, be, I'll be honest. I wish I could drive to more RTTs and GTs that were like an hour, hour, hour and a half away, yeah. A couple hours away, maybe. Right. Uh, I have Wyoming, and other than that, I mean, I have to cross the mountains to get into Utah um it's a good eight nine hour drive to get into like kansas and nebraska for those areas so i i pretty much have colorado that's why i know a lot of people have been down on tts it's been a godsend for me because now not only is my local community you know been on the 40k kick like everybody else has um it it it's just allowed me to play with a lot more people across the country
1: it gets you tools and reps, like uh, playtest. Yep. It's a it's a fantastic tool. The official Age of Sigmar uh, rant cast stance on TTS is is we give it a thumbs up. So uh, I think it's just like what I've been doing with Blood Bowl as a way to like reconnect and keep some competitive play in my repertoire um, with humans socially. Uh, I think TTS does that decently. Um, I don't I don't hate on it. Um, I, I I haven't caught the bug. It's just something. <laughs> Something's off for me, and I'm totally like the you know I will goldfish Magic decks for hours, which is when you, you you know like you, uh, you shuffle two decks, you make a proxy deck, and you just kind of play against yourself. I will do that for hours with Magic the Gathering. I do it on M- MTG Online when I was still in the kind of grinder phase. Something with TTS is just not clicking. I don't know what it is.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, because there are several people that are like that. I I feel like I go through waves where I'll because it's such easy access. I'll go through and I'll play like 15 games in a week, and then I'll just spend like the next three weeks just not wanting to play anything either because there's nothing I really want to test or like I'm just kind of burned out and want to do other things. So it, it's been a really weird dynamic when it, it went from maybe I get a game in a week to like I just have so much access.
1: So uh, I got a question real quick before I get to, to mine out of, out of chat gang here. They they ask, uh, Gdad here asks, what, what armies do you play? That was pretty good. Good
0: it's easier to ask what armies I don't play. Um, so I it, through like the so I started back up with Age of Sigmar right before the first Nova 2017 was my first big event back in fantasy side of things. Um, for most of that year, I played Sylvaneth. Um, the ne- uh, I played Zinch at uh, LVO that year, um, and then at LVO that year they showed off Daughters of Cain. And I played Daughter's King for the next year. Um, other than one event, I think I played Deepkin. Um, and then for, the for like, three events at the beginning of 2019, I played Flesh Eaters. And then for the rest of the year, I played Skaven. So I, I like, try to focus on one. But if it's elves, I probably have it. Um, and then I've also got OBR and, obviously, Skaven. Um, Seraphon. I have a super well-painted Seraphon army that I literally did, and then COVID happened um and then yeah flush your courts so i mean it's as long as it's not dwarves i'll usually play it uh, i actually sold bill like a hundred pink horrors so it, i had zinch back in the day too
1: do, uh, do you is, is there an army that really resonates with you more than another is it is it the the sort of or is it like the growth and the, and the self-challenge of sort of like giving yourself new tests and things to play
0: uh, definitely the second one. I, I definitely have, have armies I gravitate towards. Um, like I said, if it's elves, I probably have it. Um, and at this point, I mean, we have enough elf factions that I could probably just sell everything else and just rotate between elves and be satisfied. Um, okay. especially once hopefully shadow elves come out, like, uh, I'll just, you know, I'll have five armies I can rotate between and just, I'll be done. Yeah. Um, but it, it some of it's the challenge. Um, uh, some of it's the fact that like, I really get to know an army by playing an army. Um, and once I play it, like because I've played it, I know its weaknesses. So I know how to right. play against it too. Right. So um, I also had Slanesh for a little while. I sold all of them even before the nerfs happened. I just got bored with them super quickly. But like at SoCal Open, for example, um, I played two Slanesh armies in a row, and we played a total of three battle rounds, um, just because like I knew how to play against it.
1: Yeah. Right on. Right on. Yeah. I mean, that's why like I, I haven't really lost a game to Skaven because it was one of those armies I was, like, intimately familiar with, and I play against it a lot. So when I go to, just the nerves are out the way when I go to a competitive event, even though I was running Nagash for a bunch. Um, it's like, they kind of had Nagash's number, but it's like playing just that, like, wild card enough where you're like, okay, I'm going to do the risky strategy here because if I don't, I will die, you know? And just Absolutely familiarizing yourself with like the weakness of an army and go okay i lose if they get to play their game this is the one weakness i can exploit so i gotta play for it or it's lost
0: yep exactly that
1: yeah yeah um and uh this this one might be getting a a little bit personal so you can like just blink twice if you don't want to answer it uh but you mentioned like hockey like you know like you didn't really exit on your own terms. Do you think part of that competitive like sort of chip on your shoulder comes from like in Age of Sigmar comes from maybe like that hockey sort of ending the way it did for you? Do you think you kind of uh, channeled your competitive nature into or is the competitive nature just a blanket that you've always had?
0: The competitive nature is a blanket I've always had. Um I I was I was a Competitive chess player growing up as well until like I think like third or fourth about the same time I started traveling for hockey and lacrosse. Um, I couldn't really do that. I couldn't keep up with it anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I did that. Like it, if we played Monopoly, I'm gonna get super competitive with it. So it it is just kind of it's kind of ingrained in there that I'm always just trying to compete at something. <laughs> it's something I can work towards as much as anything. I think is what it is.
1: Right on. Right on. No, that's that's fair. Um, real quick catching up here on on chat gang. I see people. Elves are weak and limprist. Davis, MMA. how's it going? How's it going, Michael? I haven't seen you in, a, in chat gang in a while. Um. <laughs> um.
0: It's okay. Dwarf players are allowed to be wrong. That's it's fine.
1: <laughs> Can attest that motorcycling and skiing are way different. Of course, you you think motorcycle. Yeah, it, and go ahead.
0: Obviously, they're different. It's more the feel on your like the feel of the wind on your face more than anything else. Is is what I was getting at there.
1: Yeah, and Dreamer dropped a thousand RDP. To remind everyone, Chat Gang ain't nothing to mess with. And Kicker, thank you so much for six months in a row, eight years total of uh, of subbing here. So, all right. Um, yeah, I, I guess. Um, I think we kind of got enough of a background on like where you go. And now, I think something that maybe Chat Gang doesn't know is that you do, you have of course played 40k. So, I guess give me a little bit of a timeline where you jumped in at Age of Sigmar or where you jumped in at Warhammer in general. Um, you know, for to 40k to Age of Sigmar, and I know that you, you're playing 40k right now with it with this new edition. Like, just a, just a rough timeline here, so people are familiar. Yeah, I mean, so so like I was talking
0: about, like back in like second third grade, um, I played both systems. I had one army of each because you know I was a kid and my parents didn't really buy me things. I was doing
1: it off of lawn mowing money. Um, I know that. I know that struggle. <laughs>
0: Uh, then like fast forward, I graduated from college and, uh, my job right out of college was, uh, fairly stressful at the time. Um, and I actually ended up starting getting shakes in my hands. Um, so I, I, I just needed something to do. I was literally doing nothing but working or being home. And I had a, a a job that was basically, I'd either work 80 hours a week or 30 hours a week, just because it was, you work on demand when something needed to be done. Um, so it. Uh, something where I just, I needed something else to do. Um, So I ended up getting back into it mostly because of painting. Um, So I actually got back into the hobby just for painting and that the painting actually like the steadiness of it and like just doing something with my hands really calmed me down. Um, So that's why I'm a huge proponent of like, even if you're not good at hobbying, just do it. Like it's something to do that's good for you and and you're just going to get better at it. And it's something that like I've never been a creative person, but that's something that I've actually started getting fairly decent at. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: from there, I actually uh, uh, I started like once I started painting things and I had a full army back, um, I started playing uh, in just like the local games workshop stores, like just with random people um, every once in a while, and that's literally as far as it was gonna go um, until uh, Mike Veginis, my teammate from 2019, uh, who's gonna be coaching for us this year. Uh, he moved to town, and he was currently a competitive forty k player. And this was the tail end of seventh edition. Um, there were rumors of eighth edition, and the rumors of eighth edition was it was going to be forty k Age of Sigmar.
1: All right, I know nothing so, about forty k. What edition just came out this year? Uh, ninth. All right.
0: <laughs> um, so, like I said, it was uh, 2017 or twenty eighteen. I don't remember which. That's fair. Um, it was right. It was like six months before uh, eighth edition came out.
1: Was seventh edition the one that was super maligned? Because I I got out, so I was playing forty uh, k. I joke that I don't know anything about forty k, but um, I was playing forty k in fourth, fifth, might have been into sixth edition. Right when the right when blood elves or uh, right when blood angels could deep strike land raider crusaders, and everyone was mad. Um, if you remember,
0: <laughs> that. Uh, I, I don't. So um, I I came I came back to the hobby about right when AdMac came out. So when those models released... Okay, yeah, I was out by that time. So I was the tail end of 7th edition 40k. Okay. Um, and I know 6th edition caught a lot of crap because, like, flyers were being introduced and knights were being introduced. 6th six,
1: six ed is where people... I Like, 6th ed is about where I got out, and and I remember people really beginning to hate the, the way of the game. And I didn't get out because people were hating the game. I, I got out because I moved. Mm and and, And go ahead towards the
0: tail end of seventh edition it started getting maligned too just because it got bloated so there there were a ton of detachments and things like that and there you started the seventh edition with a concrete force organization that you built a a balanced army and then they just said okay you can just build detachments instead and basically got away from it so imagine like you could just build an army full of battalions uh and didn't have to care about battle line or number of heroes or anything like that
2: that's right so like
0: uh, there were a lot of people that with uh, the original corn book, there was a battalion that was like eight heroes or something like that. And so people coming from 40k are like, well, I can just put eight heroes in there because this battalion lets me, right? And it's like, no, no, go sit down. You can have six heroes. That's all you get. Um, so that that was kind of the, the issue at the tail end of seventh. So like I said, Mike came out thinking that uh, eighth was going to be Age of Sigmar, but 40k. Um, interesting. and so started playing Age of Sigmar, um, to kind of get ready for it. And so we played a ton just because it was, I mean, it was someone that I could play. I could like, they were a good player, so I could compete with and kind of, you know, just because like, as much as I don't want to be competitive, even things I'm not trying to be competitive at, like all of a it's sudden so I'll odd. just be like, yeah, i am in max things. Like, <laughs> okay. um, a buddy of mine and, I, uh, we just started getting into Dropfleet. And, like, it was supposed to be ju- nothing but fun, it's spaceships, we're just shooting at each other, and then all of a sudden just, I'm min-maxing, like, alright, if I do this, order here and go here. And it, it, it's just hard to turn off. Like, it's gotten to the point where I've told him to tell me to, to knock it off. For I, certain I,
1: things. I know you, I am you. I I'm not as, like, I'm not super as bad as I used to be, but the brain, at some point my brain just wants to optimize the thing because it sees a puzzle. And I'm like, ooh, yeah. a puzzle. And I'm like, I got I to gotta solve this puzzle. Like, I just have to. And you pair that a little bit with, like, I do have a little bit of a competitive chip on my shoulder where it's like, like, well, I never, like, I don't, winning's not the only thing to me, which is, like, kind of my throttle mechanism. But, like, if I, I want to win, like, you don't understand. Like, I, I need that validation of the win sometimes. <laughs> and I have to, like, limit myself. I have to basically play with an inhibitor to not care. So, like, that's where, like, why I love EDH so much in Magic the Gathering, because I'm like, I'm like, oh, Inhibitor, like, it's the Gentleman's Format, ha ha ha, like, I can make the Wacky Deck, but I still try to optimize it. And then I'm like, ah, and Blood Bowl started out that way, but then when my dice start getting really bad, then I get really angry. <laughs> Like, I can't, I'm like, I'm like, I, winning's not everything, I don't want to win the Super Bowl, but I want to, like, I want to level up my dudes so that they get the skills, and I can't level up my dudes and get the skills if I'm not killing people, like, (laughs)
0: blood Blood bowl has always been a a very good like because i can i can know the statistical right thing to do and like what's statistically most likely to be effective in blood bowl and then like it's so swingy because you only have so many dice that it's it just comes out of left field and gut punches you so it's been something that like i can play without caring too much but yeah same like when when dice are really against me i get frustrated
1: yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: and then I feel bad because I'm frustrated and I'm not having fun. They're probably not having fun. It's You know, it's
1: snowballs. Right, right. And, and like, I don't want to be the salty opponent. Like, I, I, I try to give space for my opponent to to be salty when they're, like, losing or things aren't going their way. I think that's, that's part of the, like, the sort of accord of co- competitive play is, like, I don't expect you to put on the fake face and be like, oh, I'm having a blast when you're just getting diced, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't expect you to do that. Like, we can have a conversation, you know, and still try to... But, like, if you're just, like, you know, like, locking down because things aren't going your way, I'm going to respect that, you know, and that's what I try to... But, like, I do that because it happens to me, too. You know, I'm just, like... And, I don't know, it, it's 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 difficult. I'm Awareness has been my... Uh, the thing I've been working on the most lately is just being aware of it and then mitigating it. But, um... Hobby Bear says inefficiency is pain, and Frank is super pumped about Gore Chosen, which I believe is the battalion you were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, we were talking about uh 40k. Uh, you started getting in your AOS reps uh, because you're convinced, and this actually brought yep. up a. So,
0: like getting back into that, um, it, so back in the day, I played Wood Elves with just enough Wood Elves to play like the old Metal Tree Treekin and things like that. So that's what I had going into Age of Sigmar was I had a shit ton of dryads, some tree lords, and I bought that big box that came out at that point. So until recently, I had like something like 150 dryads. Way too many dryads. It was unnecessary. <laughs> um, so yeah, M- Mike uh, got back into it. And I- it was one of those things where like it was kind of like right now. I'm playing 40k right now because that's what people are playing. I started getting into Age of Sigmar because that's what people were playing. 7th edition got kind of stagnant. Um, 8th edition was rumored to be right around the corner and Sigmar was what people were playing turns out we were about a year out um, So I ended up just kind of moving towards Sigmar Um, So we basically spent that summer uh, I think it was Nova 27 uh, 2017 Um, That summer uh, Mike had some list that he and Nick Rose another big 40k name cooked up That was literally just spamming as many mortal wounds as you possibly could and it was grand alliance chaos Um, and so I spent that summer just Throwing my head against a wall Uh with sylvaneth because that was sylvaneth's counter at the time was mortal wounds it still kind of is Um So it was literally just like lose but lose better that whole mantra was what I did that entire summer And I go out to nova and the only list I lose to was a Caleb walters a, a decently known aos player um and it was just skyfire spam and it was it was a mission that was nova created where i just was walking on the table and i couldn't do anything mm. but other than that like i was ready for every situation because i had literally gone up against the worst situation possible all summer long well, and, and so that's kind of what got into it
1: i mean that that goes a little bit back to to what we were saying before with like tts and you know getting in your reps and stuff it really really helps and i think one of the things that like sort of casual and I don't have a good term for casual player, so I'm just going to use casual as like a, a as a you know as like a approximation here. Not to disparage anyone who doesn't play at a competitive level, or to su- suggest that people who don't like tournament play are casuals. Because I find people are super passionate about Warhammer, regardless of tournament play or not. But for lack of a better term, like one thing I find with a sort of casual mindset is they're averse to the bad scenarios. And you find that if you, you subject yourself to it enough, you can learn to sort of overcome it. Now, obviously, if you're in a hard what's a hard RPS or hard rock, paper, scissors matchup that we're beginning to see a little bit more and more now that shooting's back and so on and so forth, there's only so much you can do in a bad situation. But still learning to play to your outs, it is a dice game. Like, learning to, to lose better, I think it was, it was how you said it. You'd be surprised because not every player you're going to encounter in a tournament setting is of that caliber of the competition you're you're sort of uh, sharpening yourself against. Right? Um, You might dodge. You might dodge the person who's holding your L with that army and play somebody else who's dicer against them that tournament. Or uh, they're they haven't they take for granted how hard they beat your army and they don't know that you have (laughs) fifty games against them against that (laughs) army and you know their weakness. Right?
0: yeah, I mean, it's also one of those things, like I said, it was Mortal wounds, So it was it, something that was just completely going against my army Ooh. completely, that I had no counter for. So it was figuring out how to either win on the mission or, like, what I needed to kill to mitigate damage as much as possible. Like, all the different scenarios that are possible, we would literally play one or two Ooh. turns of a game and then just re-rack and play again, and re-rack and play again. And it, it was probably a good three or four months of this. Um, like I said, it was it was most of the summer, and then I go out to you know I go out to Nova and I play uh, a Scaven player. Obviously, this is before their Battle time was out. Destroy them. Um, what else did I play that event? A uh, Stormcast list with like the Paladors that had just come out. Like they were gone, and, it, it, and I was playing like a relatively. I, as far as I know, it was a relatively unique Sylvaneth list at the time where I was kind of center boor- taking the center board and kind of exploding out from there and just doing as many Mortal Wounds as I could as well. Mm-hmm. And then being relatively durable against anything that didn't just spam Mortal Wounds.
1: A L- little bit of an alpha bunker, essentially, a board control yep. style army. Yeah, right on. Um, real quick, Soren the Mad Lad showing up, gifting five five Tier 1 subs out to chat gang for a total of 248 gifted subs in this channel. uh Dreamer, Kernigget, uh Clothar, livestream fan, Chris, all enjoy enjoy those emotes, uh, everyone. And Soren and Chris both popping off with a thousand RDP each. to Remind everyone that chat gang ain't nothing, nothing to mess with. And uh, Soren then says, "Good evening from the filthiest casual in all of AOS." <laughs> he just paints allegedly. <laughs> Took second at his first uh, his first uh, one dare he went to. He's just a painter. Don't mind him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, uh, Talk about playing to your outs. Um, did you have a, a thought to kind of finish off on your, play, your experience with Sylvaneth here before we kind of transition the conversation?
0: Just that the new book made me sad. <laughs> uh, no, even the new book, I mean, it, it's one of those things where, like... It, you can pretty much play any army, I think, right now. Like, you may not be top tier. Like, if you run into the meta, meta, meta army, like, you might have a tough time. But the meta's always rotating, so things always come back. Deepkin were gone for a good eight months until Zinch happened, and then they came back with a vengeance.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they're they're this, this absolute, like, gatekeeper army to shooting. They just, they look at the... the, the, the they can, if they opt to, dis- deploy off the table, but they don't need to. They're so freaking fast, they can back-corner you and get where they need to by the time the high tide comes in. Like, it's it- it's brutal.
0: And I love the new Marathi bug. Now I get a 2-up save on my eels? Yes, please? Uh,
1: sorry, chat gang. Boom. Uh, just to reset our guest here, uh, this, is, this is Greg... Uh, also known as like Colorado AOS on Twitter, he is one of the ETC team members for for the USA USA. <laughs> um, I think you know him. He is in Blood Bowl. Um, your your name in the the Blood Bowl Discord? Greg. I probably just Greg. Yeah, he's he's in yeah. he's in Blood Bowl with us. So so you I know him, look. Tristan. Uh,
0: Tristan, I actually played last last season.
1: Is that? I played Skaven. Um, I. Are you running okay? Yeah. I can't get in. Yeah, and I, I, I'll have to deal with that later. I'm sorry. Uh, ganked by Molly. Um, her her internet is bad, but I'm hardwired, so my internet is fine. Um. <laughs> uh, I cheat. Um, no, the um. So yeah. Uh, new book, kind of sad. Um, do you think it's that people haven't. Like, have kind of just like shelved it as, like, hey, this is bad. There's, and they've stopped experimenting with it. Or do you think it's maybe a little of column A that, like, yeah, it's a little undertuned. And also, people have given up looking for answers in the book.
0: Um, so it was, I think it was a couple things because it was, it, it, and it, it was supposed to be released like six months before it was. Mm. Um, and then there was a shipping issue with stuff coming from China to the UK. And then, um, like, so when it came out, I think it, it it would have had a better taste in people's mouths. And then, but like the shock that it got when it came in around the same time is like Cities of Sigmar and late into Slanesh, like right around when Celeste was coming out. And you've got Kernoth Hunters, which are like the rock bed of that book that Slanesh just walks in and laughs at, mm-hmm. um, and now gets summoning points off of. I think that was really the the issue at the time for for them. Um, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's dead I just think it's super one-dimensional um, because you don't have a, a ton and then you also have allegiance abilities that work against your army the fact that Why? bow hunters don't, don't ignore line of sight through your own trees like fine they can have line of sight through everybody else but ignore through your own trees the fact that that doesn't isn't the case is a travesty yeah. Um Alerial is a huge disappointment because she's the only thing other than the arch revenant in the entire book that doesn't get protection from trees and she's the one thing that needs it hmm. um like so there's so many things that are just a disappointment my biggest one is the fact that i was playing a casting heavy um sylvaneth with
1: the winter leaf or uh gnarlroot, root right? uh, Null, yeah, yeah. yeah so i was
0: playing i had like 13 casts in the army i took to uh what was that war Games con down in texas and it was hilarious i did like Fifty-seven wounds to a Nurgle army in a, in a single
1: turn. Yeah, my my buddy Sam, he played like he he played Naruto. One of his biggest, his thing that he's the most upset with with the book is that like the spell casting variant of Sylvaneth is it's just not non existent. And as someone who plays like who who's playing Lon Nagash with you know hundred skeletons at the time, like he kind of had my number with just the volume of spell casting and the board control. <laughs> You know, it's it turns like Big
0: Ash can only dispel what, eight, six, eight, 8, whatever it was. I, I at get the time, eight. Like... I got I
1: I get eight. One with my necromancer, one with uh, I think at the time I was running a vampire on foot, so I can dispel ten, but only yeah, through and... the at a bonus. So he's still going to get through like five d three mortals, and just like oh, yeah. oh. a six up doesn't feel that strong against that that much uh mortal wound output.
0: And then roused by magic. Uh, I don't know if it's still the case.
1: I it used to it, work on my cast too. Well,
0: it, so it still does that. It used to also. Um, it was spells that were cast. Um, so even if you unbind it, like it still. It, it said in parentheses, even if it was unbound. So it still worked, even if you unbound <sighs> the spell. Yeah. So literally, all you're trying to do is is roll cast and then roll five ups.
1: No, I'm just and trying then- to stop him from getting another tree and trying to stop him from <laughs> doing like stupid stuff. I'm like. Dude, I did beat him oh, yeah. in one of our head up, like uh, one of our 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 main competitive game. That wasn't a teaching game. I did manage to beat him, but I beat him because I pinned <laughs> him in a corner with like there's just a big fat terrain piece, and I'm like, you can deploy on that on that side of the table. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, keep, um, I used. The, I, go ahead. The way I was doing it is,
0: I was generally I was, at the time I was a one drop because I just didn't care about most things. There wasn't a ton of mortal wound spam at that point um, when WarGamesCon Con happened that year so i i was a one drop that was literally just tell like i had three different ways to get trees so first i would try to cast the spell if i don't get the spell off okay cool i've got an acorn or a four up for the uh um for the ancient um and i believe i had two ancients in that list so i'm i can't remember it's whatever um so i tried to get it that way and then if i couldn't get it that way i also had an acorn Mm-hmm. Um, so, I had like three different ways to get trees. So, either I get everything off and I have trees literally covering the board and you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, or I at least have an out, like we were talking about earlier. Like, yeah. I have that final, like, okay, fine, I'll put down my acorn out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my free trees were just literally dead center because at the time nobody played with terrain and Angel Sigmar. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, tons of, like, we didn't have all of our factions quite out yet. So, all the faction terrain hadn't hit the table yet. Um, The. Just in terms of like the density of terrain we've we've had as Age of Sigmar has progressed, we have more terrain on the table than we've ever had before. Like we just just from a TO and that sort of perspective. Oh, thanks.
0: I think the correct terrain is also getting on the table because a lot of people were playing with like walls and things like that. And they've done a little bit better at giving walls rules with like barricades and obstacles and things like that. Right. But like the best thing for terrain on an Age of Sigmar table is literally a, a forest plate that doesn't have the trees on it. Mm. Like that is the thing that gives you the rules. Like it doesn't necessarily completely block line of sight. Have a couple houses that do block line of sight. Other places, yep. but like just pure area terrain is easily the best thing for Age of Sigmar.
2: Yeah,
1: that's a hot take. Pure area terrain is the best thing for Age of Sigmar. Boom.
0: <laughs> not, pu- not pure, not pure. But like some <laughs> some line of sight blocking, but like a ton of area terrain that units can actually use and have
1: it be functional. Yeah. No, that's that's legit. That's legit. Um. So I, I want to circle back to like a. To a question, uh, or that sort of sprung to my mind as as you were talking about, like sort of this uh, going from forty uh, k to thinking Age of Sigmar was like the that's gonna be sort of like the play test or that's the beta beta for 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 the next edition of forty k. Do you do you think like Age of Sigmar is like a beta test for forty k or forty k is a beta test for for Age of Sigmar? And then I've got a follow up question. So
0: originally I thought it was going to be, and then the eighth edition came out, and I think they took some things but not nearly enough for major sigmar um and like, then i like think what? they've uh uh force organization so they like i understand what they were doing to have it loose and like you've obviously got armies that that do want to be more elite based or whatever but then when they they didn't see that everyone was just going to bring soup and things like that and then they were on their heels. Like, once they, they figured out, like, wait, we have no reason to have a single faction anymore, they were on their heels trying to fix everything. So now it was, no, you can't have soup, uh, or now you can only have certain forms of soup, and now you're trying to, like, give doctrines and things like that that make it reasonable to not soup armies together. Because when you could just bring... Guard for a CP generation, and then have a couple knights, and then like some other things in there, like smash captains. You're literally taking the good things from every book and covering it with good things from other books that cover your deficits. I
1: mean, this this is that worst case scenario of taking the old Age of Sigmar version of taking Thunder Tusk's and mis, mixed destruction. They yeah, weren't a thing. Yeah, exactly. Ahead. Just pre, cranked like, up to eleven.
0: Thunderdome AOS when you could bring <laughs> Ripperdactyls and Tree Lords together. With a branch rate. So now you've got, like, trees that are summoning dreads into them, and ripperdactyls that have 10,000 attacks, because every time you hit, you hit again. Like, it...
1: <laughs> Thunderdome Aegis Sigmar. Thunderdome, yeah, Thunderdome. AOS. <laughs> yep, no <rule. laughs> Go on. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what it was. That's, that's how I feel like, like, we were trying to figure out rules for a game. Because they didn't tell us the rules, <laughs> like that—that's legitimately how I feel about it at that point. Yeah, like people were like, "Okay, do we do it off wounds?" Well, no, because eighteen skeletons is nowhere near as good as Nagash. And then, like, you were trying to do it. Like, the, I feel like the community is the first ones that created. You can only have zero to four behemoths and zero to six heroes. Like, I saw events doing that before General's Handbook came out with any of those rules. Because, like, we were basically creating the rules for our own game, which is a really cool thing. And then 40K just kind of left all that behind and, like, didn't learn from their mistakes in 8th
1: edition. Interesting.
0: Interesting. And, and so that's... I played, I think, three games of 8th edition because I hated it. Like, could not stand it.
1: So that kind of kept you locked in Age of Sigmar, then, for that 8th sure ed period. Um, Absolutely. Well, so so now that, like, okay, did they learn the lesson... I I got I don't want to make this into a 40K show, but but did they <laughs> learn the lesson in 9th ed?
0: I. Uh, They fixed almost every single one of the things that I was ranting about the entire time 8th edition was happening. Whether it's, um, you know, force organizations actually mattering, um, CP is now costing you rather than benefiting you. So bringing a brigade, because that's what people were doing, is bringing, you know, guard battalions to get CP. Uh, Instead, now you have, like, you're paying points to bring suit, essentially, because you're paying command points, essentially. Okay. Uh, so things like that I think they fixed a lot and then one of the best things they did is all the mor- missions in 8th edition were boring literally one of the missions for 9th edition is battle for the Pass from Age of
1: like super like, classic it, like forced engagement style ba- battle plan yep
0: yeah, uh, objectives actually matter and that was the biggest issue of 8th edition it was leaf blower style just see what you could kill turn one and then win the game
1: do you still uh, do you still win on tabling in 40k no there you go it makes objectives matter all the more Yep. So, so. Uh,
0: They've also done interesting things where, like, you have multiple types of objectives. It's a lot more battle points based, which I I actually like. Um, so, you know, it, that's one of the things that I've always thought Age of Sigmar needed is there needed to be a way, if, if my opponent wins by one point on the primary, doesn't get any of their secondaries or tertiaries or whatever, and I get all of mine, my opponent has not won that game. I've controlled the board, I've done all the things I need to do, and then I've done most of what I needed to do on the primary, like 90% of what they've done, and then they just got that one extra point because either they went to first or they got the double at the right time or whatever. So, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that uh, I know... Uh, it, it unfortunately didn't happen this year, but the Nova Invitational this year was basically going to be run like that, um, where essentially the way the points worked out, if you got all your secondaries... Your opponent didn't get any of their secondaries and then the points dis- differential in the primary worked out the right way you could essentially win by losing the primary by by a small enough margin
1: yeah and, and then of course uh, uh tristan here is talking about uh you know smaller objectives and and uh, smaller board like which yeah that that stuff i i kind of was aware of um but yeah so but in case folks aren't like they they shrunk the objective zones essentially for capping so you and they've shrunk the battle plans, or not the battle plans—the actual table itself. But this this just brings it back brings back to the sort of core question, which is, um, you know, does Forty K? I mean, do you do you think Age of Sigmar now? I guess with the shoes on the other foot. Do you think Age of Sigmar is going to like learn from Forty K, shrink the table, you know, do any of that stuff, or do you think they're going to actually try to maintain two separate games, learn some uh, lessons where they can? Go on. So I I just
0: I have a feeling. Um unfortunately i think they're going to shrink the table uh i think that's a business decision more than a game decision um just because so like the the war Cry tiles that are also the kill team tiles and what they've now released for 40k those are actually sized because they fit in the standard shipping boxes that gw makes on their own mm-hmm. um so those those are the correct size for that and that's why we have tiles that are like weird inches um, is because they fold out from there, and it just it makes it so much easier. You've already seen they've discontinued most of the hard plastic tiles um, in favor of those. It just makes it a lot easier. You can put that in a starter box where you can't really put a a giant
1: rolled up mat
0: tile. Yeah, in. In, in a starter box, it's just not really feasible. So I, I have a feeling they're unfortunately going to switch. Um, I think it was a good change for 40k. I I'm kind of hesitant about it for Sigmar. Um, so 40k, you had a big issue, like I said, where you were just trying to kill your opponent turn one as much as possible. And in a game where you have an average 36 to 72 inch threat range, you were getting across the table turn one basically. Like thing tanks sitting on the back line were shooting all the way across to the other back line, and so there was really no hiding unless there was line of sight blocking terrain. Uh, and then with how turns are done, where it's it's sequential, I know exactly.
1: You go, exactly I, go, you go what I, got I go, yep,
0: exactly. There's no there's no double turn to kind of break that up. So shooting meta in eighth edition was supremely overpowered, especially after they made deep striking only happen like turn two and things like that, because it was just it was hard to get across the board because you were going to get shot at least two times before you actually got to their army. Um, in Age of Sigmar, I can your average range is more like I think it's 16 to 18, and then an average of a five inch movement in the game. Four or five inch five inch yeah um so that makes your threat range i can hide in my deployment zone mm-hmm. so i can be four to five inches back now obviously there's bridge there's, there's all some sorts deep- of other ways to alpha yeah uh, but usually that means they also have to commit
1: they have to stick so, out stick their neck out yeah
0: yeah so with it only being a 16 inch average shooting attack um because it's usually 12 to 18 there's some 24 etc cetera, etc cetera they're now within my range to get back to them if they take top a turn, and I'm going bottom a turn. Right. Um, the other part of that is if they sit back, well, now we're playing for a double turn. So now I can measure out and figure out how far up I'm going, where I can still mitigate as much as possible, but if I get a double turn, I can still get to them. And now I've mitigated what I've been able to take for potentially two turns, um, but I'm still able to get to their army. And that's well, something 40k doesn't have. And so, like, and then you get the other way, whereas if you shrink the Age of Sigmar board, um, now that shorter range means I can sit back further. It also means I can't really hide from spells as much, because that 18-inch casting range is going to cover a lot bigger proportion of the board. Um, and so it just causes other issues that I think it was a good change for 40k. It's potentially going to be a bad change for Age of Sigmar.
1: Well, so, so now I've, I've got two questions. Uh, we talked about how Age of Sigmar sort of, uh, even Tristan mentioned MoComp here, in uh, in chat, which was of course an an early sort of way of, of uh, figuring out the game, right? Like, and, and trying to balance it for play, um, in thunder the Thunderdome era, <laughs> um, the uh, uh, do you think that like okay, so so Warhammer Age of Sigmar goes okay, we're we're going smaller tables. Do you think that the per- the, the potential is there for the, the tournament organization and the the sort of community as a whole, since we have kind of been the grassroots game, to go, yeah, okay, you shrunk the table. Nah. Do you think that so, that's, that's a potential? So, go ahead. James Workshop built that out.
0: Um, so they built that out into 40K because it says that's the minimum size you should play on at that point size. Mm-hmm. So you could still play on a, a standard 4x6 in that game, And still be playing by quote unquote the correct rules, just like you could do it with Age of Sigmar if they do do it. Now, that's something that I think the community needs to decide on. um, And I don't know how much of a consensus we have. And you don't really, the one thing you don't want, and kind of why 40K went to the smaller board as a consensus, is you don't want little pockets playing their own games. Right. Um, Because in the US, we already have that very community driven. gaming community at the point at this point i mean the the joke we always have uh on the outside looking in is the great lakes is their own like it, you're you're your own world
1: yeah we are um, I, I get it i didn't
0: know I didn't know brendan ran a tournament until he told me in i think discord at one point with brew city brawl
1: yeah sure. yeah
0: I, like I, it, nobody on the outside knows about any of that stuff
1: well it's it's weird because i mean i went when i uh i mean this is this is actually to your point uh I was getting into Age of Sigmar, uh, GHB 2017, about right before the LON Tome came out. I committed to, like, okay, I'm going to I am gonna play Death again. Because that was a point where I'm like, I played in Warhammer Fantasy Battle. I have an opportunity to stick with what I was playing as a literal child and teenager. Or this is my time. I have that 10-year gap. You said you had your 15-year gap or whatever. I have my 10-year gap. I'm like, okay, I can... I could this is it if I if I'm ever going to play Skaven which was like the other army I kind of wanted to play and Dark Elves were like the other army I kind of wanted to play like I'm like, if I ever... This is it. And then I'm like... So I had this big agonizing decision point while I'm playing my friend Stormcast Eternals, while I'm playing Haywo's, uh Skyboard Slayers, actually, against his uh, Beast Beastclaw Raiders. Um, which were fun-ass games, by the way. <laughs> the original... The original three-inch charge drop-and-pop uh, deep-striking monsters with old-school Star Soul Mesas. So that was a lot of fun. Um, so, so, like, I'm learning the game and deciding what army I'm about to collect, and I'm like, okay, it's death again, right? And, uh... And I went, like, I'm like, okay, and I'm a guy who needs external motivation, so I'm like, okay, I gotta get this finished for a tournament, 3 colors standard, go on the internet, what are tournaments? And Nova, LVO, Adapticon, and GenCon were, like, the only things I could obviously see. And I lived in, at that precise time, I lived in Milwaukee. And I'm like, no, I didn't, I was in Sheboygan at that time. I, so I lived, I'm like, okay, those are my options. I'm like, all right. Well, then i I guess I'm aimed for Adepticon, missed it. My army wasn't anywhere near close to being done. Most of it was still Primer Black. Um. So I missed that. I'm like, I guess the next one is. I think it was Nova. I'm like, so I buy my uh, my Magna Racks because it's the easiest way to transport an army. I do my research. I do all my due diligence, and uh, and I miss miss that. And I end up kind of going to Gen Con instead because it's just the travel just wasn't going to work out. Um, so I go to Gen Con. If I hadn't ran into Kyle, who's uh, member of chat gang here, uh, Minimum Pants. If I had to run into him to say, oh, dude, come to Dragonfall, I'd have never known it existed.
2: Like, yeah,
0: and I, I think that's, it's something that we definitely are at the detriment of being in such a big place as opposed to places like the UK or even Europe. Like, we definitely don't have it. Um, that's why, I mean, I get I get to know pretty much everyone at major tournaments. Like, I there are some guys out on the West Coast, Brian Brown, um, and, and all of that, that group and community, we met them at uh, LVO 2018. Uh, I played against Brian and one of his buddies. Um, and we invited them out to our team event in Colorado, Colorado Clan Carnage, um, that we were doing every year at the time. Obviously, COVID happened. Um, and and they came out. But, like, it was all word of mouth. There, There's nothing really aside from that, which is kind of a detriment. So then if you're playing like you know rules specific rules in just a local community that that separates people out even more see that was the point is you don't really want to do that um so we would have to come to a a community consensus which i think would be a pretty hard thing to do
2: Mm -hmm.
1: well i think 40k because it's it it, or not 40k 40k feels more universe uh universal uh age of sigmar feels a lot more individualist when it comes to like we're comfortable with having I from my, now this is my Midwest perspective, we're okay with having like six different tournaments and all of them having a, a different pack, you know, like, you know, it just, on one hand, you kind of talk about how we're, we're sort of, you, general you, on one hand, it's sort of talked about how the Midwest is sort of like an island unto itself. Like, it's, it's like almost like there's these walls, like invisible walls up and we're just kind of like this insular, insular community. But on the other hand, like, so many of us who live in the Midwest are spoiled for, for tournaments you can go to a major tournament a 2 dayer probably about once a month without ever having to drive more than three hours oh i was
0: same with the pacific northwest i know you had alex on here uh, uh, about a month ago at this point um i give jeremy crap about that constantly because uh, like was, between he... red tide rose city yeah. etc like they can go to a, a gt every two weeks
1: yeah yeah yeah, and I, I guess a lot, and, and there's, I don't think that's a reality for the average Age of Sigmar player, and that is something that I think is, a, in the Midwest, we need, we, we maybe take for granted here, and probably the, the Pacific, like you said, Northwest, probably takes for granted a little bit too. um, it, But, I mean, I, I, this is just, like, philosophically now, I don't have an answer. I wonder if we have a better way of cross-pollinating than word of mouth. Like, if we... I, I'm not talking about, like, universal packs or anything like that. If we just have a better way of, like, communicating with each other, like setting up little ambassadors to go out to each other's events, you know, and, and come back with, like, stickers and mailers. and I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea what that would look like. But I know um, we ended up – I ended up going to NashCon because, uh, you know, I ended up playing against, uh, against the TO uh, just incidentally at Bruce City Brawl, and it's like, well, now I owe it to this this awesome dude to go down and play in his tournament. And and it was a, on one hand, you get this very intimate, awesome relationships that you build sort of naturally, uh, but on the other hand, it's like we have all these great tournaments, and how do we drive that word beyond word of mouth? Yeah, I
0: mean it, it's a it's a hard thing too, just because uh, we're quite often relegated to smaller space at big of big like cons um than 40k is so you know it's it's a catch-22 between you know Bruce city brawl for example like i i played against brendan at adepticon uh two years ago uh i guess three years ago now i don't
1: know whatever um and yeah i think it's like covid time warp who knows go on yeah
0: i think it's a a big catch-22 between like if i go to a gt do i want to see all my friends that i already know or do I want to like grow it to people who I've never met before? Like it's you know it's yeah. it's hard to to make that that concession either way. Like do I want a whole bunch of people I don't know uh, coming to my event, or do I want to see all my buddies that I maybe only see two three times a year?
1: Yeah, and I know this isn't a um I know this isn't a universal thing, but I think uh, most gamers probably tend towards introverts too, right? So there's a certain comfort in sticking around the faces, you know, and meeting new people on like a drip feed sort of case-by-case uh, case basis, like the couple people that come into your region for tournaments, as opposed to going into someone else's region where you might know a couple people, but everyone's a stranger, right? That can be yeah, a little intimidating. I right?
0: think that's one of the benefits I've had being in Colorado, where we only, like, I, I'm working on getting it, like, I'm trying to get it where we basically have at least four GTs a year, um, one being the team tournament, one being, uh, back in the old fantasy days, there was a King of the Mountain Invitational, um, that was run every year and we did it one year here and then it kind of fell off. So I'm, I want to get that back. And then basically like two other formats, I don't know what they're going to be yet. One's probably just a standard like GT and then another one that's like a different format, but like four GT level events a year, like one each quarter, I think is just something that would be really good for the area, but not having that, I think. I think like me going to Nova and and adepticon and LVO and SoCal and those being my events for the year I think has made it where like I've met a decent portion of the community Mm -hmm. uh, while still staying relatively under the radar Uh, I just know people rather than being known as much as anything Um, the the first year for etc the first year we we went um, the first year they had Age of Sigmar in fact I met Bill at Nova Uh, I had met him once before I got to know Bill at Nova that year um, the year before Mm -hmm. Uh, so like we didn't really know each other until that happened he knew Mike because Mike at that point by that point had moved back out to the East Coast and knew like Nick Rose and all them that Bill was also friends with so that's how I got to know Bill um, was through that I met Alan that year at Nova as well Um, he was playing one of my friends in 40k and then I really met him once he was on the team when he came out for SoCal. So, like, I've most of the people that I've met in the community and the, some of the best people I know in the community have been at major events because I've had to branch out and, and reach outside of my own community. So, I, I guess that's another kind of catch twenty two because, like, there's good things and bad things about both sides.
1: Well, you you want to you want an organic, like, you want that organic grassroots local scene. But yeah. there's so much lost if you don't go out of your comfort zone at least once a year to like a big someone else's regional thing. I mean that's why Adepticon's pretty nice because it's like it's like the melting pot uh, for the most part. Uh, it's in my backyard though, so you know I my uh my my tournament privilege here coming through. Uh, but uh, it yeah I mean going Nova or LVO are, are I think the other two that that fit in that same category where like people kind of travel to it to to experience that socal I definitely
0: be. getting that way too i mean obviously it's on the coast so it's a little harder but i mean they had 48 last year uh and there were some people that came from the east coast specifically for it but again it's one of those things where like i didn't know about socal open until i started like getting closer to the to for lvo and we started talking he's like well i test all my packets for lvo at socal like why don't you come out for that i'm like where is it and it's like san diego cool, nice and easy. Like, it's a $30 Uber from the thing. You can stay at a hotel right across the street from it, and it's at a big, like, rate, horse track. And it's just, like, a big convention center in there, and all they do is 40 k in Age of Sigmar, and it's fantastic.
1: Uh, Soren here says... Uh, uh, Soren the, shared the Texas Masters thing here, and he says a nationwide format would be awesome. We were about to have our Midwest Masters. This It would be this December right now. Um, it was gonna be sort of a pseudo-invitational type, type event, And, uh, that doesn't get to happen now, uh, because... reasons. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know, like, I'm not necessarily for a a nationwide format, but a place to... I know that Games Workshop has their little events calendar, but that has so many blind spots in it, I feel, compared to, like, if there was just, like, some tournament site. More U.S. organic, where it's just like, here you go, hey, this is every tournament we, we have... You know, people just say, "Hey, this is how many I had last year. This is how many I expect this year. This is my tournament. This is where it is." Yada, yada, yada. And we just, just a nice, clean. This is where they all are. Um, There's also
0: certain controls that have been put in place for things to be like Games Workshop stamp of approval for events, and some people don't want to do that either. Yeah. Like, it, it's a it's a really interesting community where like we we want to come together, but we also like stay out of my yard type of deal where like. Don't interfere too much.
1: It's 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 such a weird conundrum to me because I feel like in Forty Gay, again I feel like they are a little bit more universal stock standard when it comes to to the community and how they play their game. And Age of Sigmar, I really do think it has to do with what I used to call what I was calling the Wild West, and now I'm stealing your term for it, uh, the Thunderdome era of of Age of Sigmar. I think it really has to do with that more than anything. Is you had to have the tournaments really did dictate. Uh, the tos and the and the and the gaming clubs and the stores, the LGSs, dictated the way that game looked, um, more so than Games Workshop ever did. And relinquishing that control, even five years later now, you know we're in the fifth year of Age of Sigmar, uh, isn't easy. And I oh, sure. honestly think it's for the be- I think it's a little bit for the better that Age of Sigmar has that individuality to it. Personally, um, I'm I would like if you hand me a tournament pack, I read it i'll play your I'll play your tournament you know um I think we can have a a bit more of a standardization in the reporting of like our tournament results one of these things i've I've heard is like this sort of like uh looking at like a four win uh looking at it in terms of like getting to four wins how reliably your army gets to four wins and not even counting sort of like day five because there's so many variables or round uh, tournament five or the uh, round five in your tournament and using that to kind of gauge how nope. how strong an army is i think um things like that go ahead yeah i mean i
0: i have said for a while that i think you can get to four and one with any army and getting five five and five and oh with any army you need some sort of luck so i mean i i think that's that's a fairly safe thing to do that i think would probably be beneficial yeah um another thing as much as i i know itc for some people is a touchy subject um and as much as it's a standard for 40K, it really isn't, right? Because, like, Nova uh, 40K ran their own missions for years and years. Literally, this year was going to be the first year that they were uh, they were going to use the ninth edition missions. Um, they've created their own for years and years and years. They've created their own um, standards for that, but they still just reported to ITC. And that, that was one of those things that ITC was such a, is, is such a loose structure that they don't really care how you run your event. It's just a formal reporting system as much as anything.
1: I, I think that the pushback I've heard against, uh, against uh, adopting ITC into, into Age of Sigmar is a fear of the that guy. And this is, this is a prominent fear that we have as a community. Uh, folks are afraid of the that guy, and that's why they don't want to go out to a tournament to begin with. They think it's just all that guys. Uh, I'm here to, the, as one of the people that, that will constantly be an ambassador for tournaments. Uh, the There aren't that many that guys at Age of Sigmar tournaments. I have had one bad game in three years of tournament play. One game where I and it wasn't even of that guy. It was just a bad game where they were on their phone too much. Like I,
0: I've had three, and one of them was a was a person that's kind of known for it from what I've heard, but I didn't hear it until afterwards. Yeah, uh, and then one of them one of them was actually at a Depticon. Uh, funnily enough and it was just someone that was slow playing i I don't know their name I don't know who they are I literally could not pick them out of a lineup that's how like I was <laughs> I was very drunk against my game in my game with Brendan and uh, it was right afterwards so I was coming down and like I was I did not want to be there at all like it was just a miserable experience but it doesn't happen very often like it it's rare for you to for me at least to meet someone that I wouldn't want to play against
1: well because the, the that guys tend to get weeded out by yeah. the the tournament sort of um you know like the Rellians, the Brendan's you I'd imagine are are a, are a that guy weeder um, <laughs> like they, they just don't they're big fishes in small ponds and then they go to a tournament and they find out darby sharks here you know like they they just don't they either have to relinquish their that guy status or they have to get their shit pushed in until they're humbled like it it just it it's it's it, i mean i'm not saying they don't exist every i've heard everyone's got a story or two or three but it's it's not something to live your life in fear of my point with the itc thing is is if you flag your event as an ITC thing, and again, this is the pushback I've heard. Um, they, if you flag your event as an ITC event, you get people that come to it just for, like, essentially the ITC points, not so much that sort of, again, that grassroots, you know, we just want the local.
0: I get that. And, I, I, I get that nervousness. The other thing, it, like, it, it's kind of funny because the first uh, pushback that I heard was that ITC told you how to play your event, when literally there is not even a Age of Sigmar ITC packet currently. That's right. The the most recent packet is from like twenty seventeen if you go to their website, hmm. which I think is just funny because it's literally just playing the game. But you can also just run your tournament however you want. Yeah. But I I understand the whole like not wanting people who are just out for ITC points and that not being the, the best sport of the event. But like you said, I I haven't really seen those people in general, um, let alone those that are focusing on ITC.
1: Yeah. I, like I said, I that's the pushback I've heard. Um, I like to, you know throw out the information I happen to know um, yeah I, I, I don't know uh, I, I I gotta be honest like a, an idea of a universalized I've switched my opinion on this I used to be the Magic the Gathering grinder right like we've got formats we got standard we've got a, we got the Eternals we got extended yada 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 I used to be like that and when I came to Age of Sigmar I'm like yeah we should totally have a universal pack why don't we have a universal pack but then I spent like years playing everyone different event or everyone's different event and I'm like Imagine if all these events just used the same pack. You know, I, oh, I think it'd be boring.
0: <laughs> I'd get so bored, uh, and that's the, the Like, it, whether it's it, it doesn't even have to change the gameplay that much. Just like unique secondaries or unique tertiaries, or mechanics or board mechanics or whatever it is. Um, I think Scott um, on the West Coast does a really good job with that. Um, just making every single event feel fairly unique. He used to do broadside bash as well, um, and Broadside Bash, he always had it pirate themed, so there was always like random stuff going on that to just like tweak the game a little bit. And then LVO was his like, all right, we're sticking to the book, like we're playing this game and that's it. Uh, and all of his other smaller events were like either testing things or like just adding wrinkles to things, which I think is fun. Um, as much as I wouldn't want to play it every time, uh, I think the Super Series is another unique wrinkle that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, for local events to start yeah. having for team events. Yeah. Um, team events, I think, are my favorite events that there are in Age of Sigmar, so more of those is always better. I was super excited for Adepticon teams this year. Me too. Um, and then, unfortunately, that didn't happen.
1: Oh, I was going to be so, playing uh, with Tom Lyons and Benjamin Sava. We had so <laughs> much plans with Haywo. Oh, it was just going to be a field of killers out to, like, drink beer and have fun, but also kill. Like, it was... Oh. <laughs> Oh, I was so oh, man, I was so pumped for that. But I mean,
0: Adepticon on teams for 40k is the event that, like, no matter how not narrative you are, <laughs> everyone gets super narrative with it. Alan Pajama Pants literally built a golden throne for their army this year, and all of their armies were going to be on, like, uh, TV dinner tray things that were coming out of it, and they were holograms of, like, him directing forces on the army, and then there was going to be a, like, kegerator built into the seat itself. Nice. Um, so, like, that arm, that thing was just going to be fantastic, and, I mean, he's not exactly known for being much of a narrative player, but that was the one event that everyone just went all out for, and it, so, you know, it's it's fun to just have those unique events like that.
1: Yes, I I, I 100% agree. I still want to show up, and I think it's got to be Nova. My dream is to go to, to Nova in full-on cosplay, I want to dress like a necromancer or a bone shaper or something, and by this time I hope my, my son's old enough and he plays, and I'm going to have him dressed up like a skeleton. And I'm gonna sit back and point and gesture and have him play my army. Like a like a necromancer ordering around his skeleton minion. <laughs> like, I just, it's a dream I have. Um, you and
0: Chuck can do it together.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um and then uh Hobby Bear here. Uh I was gonna narrative all of you to death, none of you stood a chance. <laughs> um Holy Havoc's a blast too, um, yeah. I, I don't think even if there was a universal pack, they're in the GHB there was essentially. You know? I, I mean, there is the
0: GHB is a universal pack. That's that's literally what it is, and then people can. Mutate it from there. They even give you ways to mutate it. You have apothe- uh whatever it of apotheosis.
1: apotheosis, yeah.
0: Yeah, Anvil of apotheosis. You've got uh, different campaign books that you can throw wrinkles in that literally say, "Hey, this is for more narrative play." That doesn't stop you from using it in an event if you don- if you want to. Right. Um, like there are all sorts of things like that. Just put it in your pack. Like that's the biggest thing for me is going in, going to an event and getting shocked with something happening. That's kind of a field feels-bad mechanic, like, oh, okay, I literally can't function with this army, because I didn't know this was going to happen. Um, but it, as long as you put it in your pack, like, people can read. It's their fault if they don't read at that point.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've never read a pack to this day, and I do mostly fine. <laughs> but, uh, that's just the, that's the joke. Um. <laughs> Always read the pack. Uh, read it the day before, everybody, in your hotel room. <laughs> don't Don't read it <laughs> certainly don't read it the day of when like you need to know what your army should be at the tournament or if they have limiters on like your army and then you show up with an illegal list uh, and then you're surprised that your list is illegal nah read it to make sure that that has the most likelihood of happening you read the pack the night before and then when you show up to hand in your illegal list to the to you go i didn't read it until last night and they will always let you break the rules they'll make the exception that's how it goes
0: All I'm saying is there's an easy way for the community to not have to deal with people that do that, and it's called Best Coast Pairings. Uh, And lists can be formatted as green before the event even starts, and the TO doesn't really have to do anything. So, um, yeah, great way to do that. Fully recommend it.
1: I like my way better. (laughs) (laughs) Um Yeah. so I, I think I, I already asked the question: Should Age of Sigmar and 40k be the same game? And uh, you have a unique perspective here. Like 40k doesn't use the the, the priority role, right? And Age of Sigmar does use the for, the, uh, the does use the priority role. So you're here to answer this with your your perfect perspective, uh, once and for all, about how Age of Sigmar shouldn't have the priority role to be more like 40k. Uh,
0: I mean, we, we've kind of talked about it earlier, but especially as the game. Gets more and more rock paper scissors. It's it's a defense mechanism as anything else, as much as anything else. Because even the worst army in the game, if it gets an opportune double turn, can beat the most meta army in the game. I don't care who you are. Um, so that that's kind of one of those unique things. Now, again, like we talked about earlier, with so much shooting in forty k, I think it could be bad to have a double turn in forty k. Um, but Age of Sigmar, I think it's it's a defense mechanism for things getting too very
1: so you're saying that the the in 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 Age of Sigmar the the priority role is like a good thing.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: All right on. I mean it's a mechanism for the double turn. It's once you get a certain level of of, of play experience in, you know how to play to and for the double turn. It always gives you an out and it does mitigate shooting a, a little bit. Like I think shooting's gone a little bit too out of bounds just in its efficiency and stuff, and the fact that we're able to teleport a lot of our... A lot of our big shooting threats teleport, and that's become a small problem. That's going to get mitigated a little bit as the water level rises in Age of Sigmar of the average skill player, because people just know their deployment's a little bit better and not get caught out as easy. Um, But for the most part, if you... You you get to fight on both players' turns with melee. You don't get to shoot on both. And that is a big throttling mechanism that that sort of amplifies shooting. Or, or, or sort of really puts a uh, throttle mechanism on shooting. Because if you do get that double, it can be, what, four full combat phases until you get to shoot again? Three?
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, one, two, th- three.
1: Yeah, three. That's a pretty yeah. big... So if you stick your neck out, like, with our this goes back to the table size thing, with that table size being bigger and you have to advance to stick your neck out to shoot, that's three combat phases of pain.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And so, I mean, it's also something to look at rules, uh, list writing-wise, because if if you do, like, I think it's from our fantasy days, but we have such a mindset of these big blocks and phalanxes of units that are, that are just moving up the board, and it splitting to MSU is a very 40 K thing because there was literally a mechanic to do it with space Marine squads. But like, if you have multiple smaller threats around the board, it creates an issue with target priorities. It creates an issue with target allocation because people can't like, Perfectly you
1: have to math every single time. Yeah,
0: you have to, And then it's a dice game. So what if you don't math, um, especially with things like feel no pains on the board or minuses to hit or things like that. Like the math just varies quite a bit. Um, so the point where only daughters of Cain and plague monks can really roll statistically average every single time.
2: Right.
1: Uh, question for Greg: If there is an area you would want to change in AOS, what would it be? Strong question. Um,
0: so I don't particularly. L- so as much as I was talking about like it being okay that we're getting a little more rock paper scissors because we have defense mechanisms, I think it's a bad thing. Um, I. I think that, um, how do I put this? Um, I mean, go, going up against a heart counter is always, is always a feels-bad mechanic, right? And um, my, what I was saying to people going uh, coming out of this GHB before I really got into it um, was that you were basically going to have rock, paper, scissors at smaller events. And it was going to be completely luck of the draw. You had to be able to make your way through it because there was going to be that one guy that was going to be playing your heart counter, and you had to hope you weren't playing it. Whereas the GTs, you were able to balance it out a little bit more just because the field was going to be that much bigger. Right. Um,
1: but a one dayer or, or a local scene, it, the the hard RPS is very toxic to those.
0: So the well, way I wouldn't say toxic,
1: see, but feels yeah, bad. The way
0: I kind of see them the the game right now from a high level perspective is you do have a big circle of rock paper scissors going around an outside ring that are literally just hard countering each other. And then in the juicy mid- middle are all the toolbox armies. Whether it's, I mean, Seraphon's a little strong right now, but they are a toolbox army. You've got Skaven. You've got several others that are rounded out do, enough. Sigmar, books. I
1: think. Yeah, fits that are right. rounded out enough
0: books that you can kind of secure your outs a little bit. And then, and that's usually what I like to play uh, in like a singles event is something like my Skaven, where I've I've got something that can deal with what would normally be a hard counter for me. So then it turns that hard counter into more of a soft counter. And I think that's where the game is better because then it's it's actually someone playing against someone else rather than just like, hey, my mechanic goes through your mechanic. Right. Sorry, you lose. Yep. Um, so I, I think the game's in a good place defending against rock, paper, scissors while also promoting it, if that makes sense.
1: We're, yeah, like a, a little bit of a... Um... <sighs> Maybe it's it's kind of like um, because we do have this thing that's sort of stopping it completely. It's disguising how big of a problem it could be, you know. Like yeah, it's got yeah, this this absolutely. it's got this way of sort of mitigating it, but because it's being mitigated, uh, like people aren't realizing just how bad it could be, and so as we sort of shift towards a harder RPS as opposed to a softer RPS. You know, difference between soft counters and hard counters right I mean like- we also
0: have no events right now so that's another another big thing like we've had a few UK uh, UK and Europe events and a few New Zealand Australia events but like the US hasn't had any events so we don't really we don't even really know the meta right now this is all off a of theory and TTS events which as much as I love TTS events they're like I'm playing janky stuff at TTS events I'm not playing things that I would take to a normal event I'm playing things that I want to test out to see what they can do Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I, I won one TTS event with Sylvaneth that we were talking about earlier. And it was literally, I went into it, like, I'm probably not going to do anything with this, but I think this is the best thing for Sylvaneth that I can get right now. I'm going to test it, paint that if it works and then sell off everything else. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, cause obviously it worked relatively
1: well. <laughs> like people weren't ready for your technology. <laughs>
0: I, I I mean, it, there were some, re- it, so it's one of those things where, like, like I said, you can you can win with every army because it is so objective driven right now. And sure, there were risks that I had to take in certain events. Uh, in the finals, I was playing a, a localist Legion of Chaos ascendant, um, and I I don't think it was the best localist I saw, but to kind of manipulate the player into making some mistakes and then taking risks to take advantage of those mistakes, and it ended up working out. Right. So, I mean, it's not gonna. No army can walk over every other army, but you usually have some sort of. Out.
1: Uh, heavy D six just wants to know the list. What did you use for Sylvaneth? Uh,
0: I mean, it, bas- this was a while ago. Basically, hey, hey. it was.
1: Uh... Uh, you're gonna you're gonna run the show for a minute here. I don't know. Okay. The- uh, I gotta use the restroom real quick. So uh, if you're playing the ages if you're playing the rant cast drinking game, this is where y'all y'all finish your beers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the li-
0: so the list I did actually change afterwards a little bit, um, but essentially it was a block of six scythe hunters, two blocks of three sword hunters, a block of ten dryads, two blocks of five revenants, uh, an ancient, dirthu, uh, a branch wraith. And then it was going to turn into a second Branch Wraith. In that event, I had an Arch Revenant. And I was doing it in Harvest Boon so, Dry- or so Durthu could run away, is essentially what I was doing. Um, so, you know, you were, you were having to pick your engagements. Um, that, that game against Loka, we were actually playing Battle for the Pass. And uh, so I essentially had to, like, move out a little bit um, to get him to engage with his Blood Crushers into not Kurnoff Hunters. And then I was able to come around with Kurnoth Hunters and basically pin and win. Um, and it was like it was a matter of pinning things in place and then taking out all his heroes so obviously he couldn't just summon infinite pink cores for the end of the game. And it, it was... Like, I barely won that game. I won that game by one model because he ended up bottle-shocking out one of his units of pink horrors, um that were down to Brimstone on bottom of five, so he ended up not taking a point. So, but by no, we, no, by no means was it an easy win, but it was a win I probably shouldn't have had. Um, I'm gonna open up Twitch real quick so I can actually see questions.
2: Alright.
0: Oh, you're back. You're yeah. back before I even got Twitch loaded up.
1: There you go. Um, that, that's the only question hanging out there. They're talking about the uh, the 9000 IQ play. Greg, what are the battle plans that, you're, uh, that are I- your ideal for a tournament pack, and in what order? Ooh, what order might be Rough. So, bringing the hard questions, the hard hitting ones. Uh,
0: so, I actually I used to have a set one. I I it's hold on. I used to have a a set five round GT that I thought was the most competitive, and uh, basically it took things that prevented uh, some of these more gimmicky armies. So, like the second you throw a total commitment in a pack, right? Um, now you you stop some of these like one drop shoe casts and uh, one drop uh, uh, skyborne slayers things like that just because they they don't function in that game now you're having to walk across the table at four or five inches a turn
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, uh, Better part of valor i think is my favorite mission and i know a lot of people hate it and it's purely because it is all based on math and statistical averages and knowing when to burn your point and when to go after your opponent's point because literally you could both sit there for a draw if you wanted to in that game. Um, it's figuring out how to, how to steal an objective and not lose yours, or not lose yours at the right point and burn it early. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's my favorite mission. I really love um, uh, Force the Hand, um, I think is another really good one. Um, just because it's counterintuitive um, to a lot of the other missions. This is that we have. this
1: is one of the new ones that is just yeah. Stealth. I love
0: both of the new ones. Knife's Edge, I also really love. So Knife's Edge. Um, so for there's another one. Um, Ko doesn't really like Knife's Edge, right? Because by the time they table their opponent, like sure you can table your opponent in three turns, um, but if your opponent has all six objectives for those three turns before that, all right now you can't win. So so it's it, it, the mission is now a soft counter to KO at that point as much as anything else. So now KO has to think about, all right, am I going to bring that one drop where I just drop a Vortex and, and blah, blah, blah? Or like it, is my goal only tabling, or am I actually going to try to bring a balance list with a book that isn't really intuitive to bring a balance list?
1: Uh, I like G Dead's question here. He says, what draws you to elves? <laughs> this is... uh,
0: jankiness and breaking rules. Uh, is what draws me to elves as much as anything else. Uh, it, it, it's kind of a running joke uh, with my friends that like every elf faction just ignores rules in some
1: sort. Well, oh, they were the first to get always uh, stri- always strike first, effectively.
0: Yeah, so Luminef uh, has the double activation thing, right? And then they've just got like more I would say crowd control than any other book in the game right now.
1: Well, oh, are they're is. a utility board control army. Yeah. High, it, masquerading as like a DPS army but
0: yeah which I, I think they're really not that great of a book I think they're more of a gatekeeper army and I don't think it was a very well-written book because it's I think the way it sits right now it you either make half your opponents you make feel bad and half your opponents make you feel bad um the so it, it is
1: army <laughs> <laughs>
0: it is the epitome <laughs> of a gatekeeper army because all those people that don't know how to play against it or it's good against Just like hate your guts after you play them, and then the other half you're playing KO, and they're just sitting outside of your threat range the entire time. And if you don't win a priority roll the entire game, they literally just pick off a unit a turn, and you you can't do
2: anything. Do
1: you think some of the feels bad can be mitigated by by player sort of uh, a heightened player awareness? I talk about raising the power uh, the uh, the water level of our player base because, um, you know, I think you know if we were to to rank the average skill level of of the Age of Sigmar player. I don't want to say skill level, maybe engagement with the rules. It's not quite skill, because, like, they're super competent players in Age of Sigmar, but some of them just, like, don't care to play that style of game, so they just, like, check out. The water level, for me, doesn't feel as high as, like, Magic the Gathering's, like, sort of player water level. And that's nothing against Age of Sigmar players. I love this game way more than I ever liked Magic the Gathering, so... Um, and it's not just because I s- noob stomp. It's because genuinely, there's the community here is just the best in any game I've ever been been a part of. I've played tabletop role playing games pretty much as long as I've been alive. Uh, my first experience with with a tabletop RPG was ninth grade, right? I, or not ninth grade? As a nine year old in fourth grade, like long time. And it still took me. Basically until these last three years to really find like niches in the tabletop RPG community and they're just like tiny niches with a couple friends. Age of Sigmar I showed up to one tournament, made lifelong friends, you know? Like just <laughs> yeah. So so nothing against that. But do you think if we re- if if some of that like feels bad could be mitigated by raising the water level of the average player? Um, yes
0: and no, because there there are certain things. So um biggest example is the first time I played against Skaven with Lumineth. Um, and my Lumineth list at the, at the time was literally a bravery, bravery Bomb control list with archers to pick off things. Not 80 archers like they're playing in the UK, because one, I think that has too many hard counters, and two, I think that's... In some ways, even more of a feels-bad, because you just kill all the characters, and then and then they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it, it was a lot more control, a lot more playing the game, so I didn't have a ton of hard counters. But at that point, when, when you're making Skaven minus three Bravery and then rolling 2d6 trying to beat their bravery to make them not do anything, and their bravery 4 or 5, like it, you're literally just making your opponent not function. Because anything that's bravery 4, they literally cannot do anything. Mm-hmm. So now their army just does not function. If they And there's there's too many ways in that book to make it so it happens, whether it's Bailwind or, or Spell Portal or all sorts of different things that can just make it so that's going to happen. Um, and that's why I kind of think that that's... Like I said, it's it's kind of the ultimate gatekeeper list because it, it's just going to keep some people out of out of middle tables, mm. which is I don't think that's great it, for the game. But is there, it's it's a fun army to play sometimes.
1: Is is, is that? I mean, I I think that's the the beauty of a tournament. If you have five games, you can't play against Lumineth, Realm Lords all five games. Statistically oh, for sure, speaking. Not. Yeah, you know, if you just play LRL once, you can still have a net positive day. But you said something really interesting in there that I think is worth noting, is keeping people out of middle tables. And maybe that's the watermark that I've been searching for word, terminology for, is when you're actually like gatekeeping middle tables.
0: Yeah, so um, Hot Take, I think OBR was the same thing.
1: Petrafex um, Elite was.
0: Yeah, Petrafex Elite was, was a, a middle table denier. So, um like we were kind of talking about earlier with new people kind of coming into the tournament scene.
1: I just need to note that that's not a hot take anymore. I raised over $7,000 for mental health America <laughs> to have okay. them change my mind on Petrifex elite, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so it, it, the way I kind of looked at, at um, OBR going into LVO, cause I, I think LVO was the most balanced the game has ever been. We don't really have enough data right now to tell me if, Current game is even better or not? Um, just because we kind of had a hard stop on everything. Um, but LVO in the top eight for day three, you had uh, Stormcast, Slanesh, Celeste, after the nerves, um, Fire Slayers, Skaven, one OBR player, uh, two Daughters of Cain players, and what was the last one? Oh, uh, an old Zinch book the old Zeech book, because we were still playing with the old rules in LPL. So, you had seven different armies, and then the only one that was doubled up was the third oldest army in the game. In Daughters of Cain. Which, Daughters of Cain are just kind of Daughters of Cain. They are what they are. It's kind of a, just a force in the the universe.
2: They're the fulcrum.
1: They are gravity. You know, like, they're like... Like, like if you have a teeter-totter that is the entire metagame, Daughters of Cain is the fulcrum, like, at the center. Yeah, Yeah, and then eels are on
0: either end, where they're either, like, broken, or they're, like, not functional in the meta.
1: I like that about them, though. I know, I... <laughs> some people, I love it. Some people hate eels. that. I love that about them. Like, I love that. I love
0: that. eels. I love the new Marathi book. It is just... The new Marathi book, in general, just gave me so many more toys to play with, elf-wise.
1: Eels, eels are, um... For me, they're... I don't... This is... One person in chat gang might get this reference, but for me, eels are, are Icarid. They're dredge. Uh, they're the they're the one deck that if people stop bringing their sideboard hate main deck, you take it to a tournament and you just boom got them and you just like skate all the way to the all the way to the to the to the top eight, right? Um, but the minute people are like fuck, people are bringing 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 Ikarid again. They're like God, got to put in my got to put in my sideboard hate into my main deck and Ikirid will never top eight now. Like that's 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 IDK. IDK is just like what you look at. You yep. test the wind, wherever the beta is. And, uh... I, I love that about it, though. I really do. I,
0: I love eels. I, I have a really... I my, I think my eel army is actually my most well-painted army that I've done for Age of Sigmar so far. Um, my Seraphon army has LEDs, and I still prefer my my, my eel army. Like, I just love that army. Um, but, yeah, so, if you if you looked at LVO for that, um, and if you look at the... Stand, like, go look at the standings in BCP right now. Um where OBR was, cause there was only one in the, in the top eight where OBR was, was that 11 to 20 range. They were, it was that like top of the middle tables. Um, and they just dominated it because a lot of those people that were bringing, like that aren't bad players, but were bringing fun armies or their new players getting into the game. They didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, and they, or didn't have a way to deal with it. So they, they, it, it created a wall. It was a gate. Um, and that's, I, I feel like a lot of times that's the people who get stuck down on bottom tables is they end up playing something like that that just like, cool, they, they, maybe they play against Bill Sousa round one and get stuck in the low tables. And then they never get out of it because they're playing all those people that are two and one or three and two and et cetera, et cetera.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a cool take. And I, I like the idea of, of the, that sort of, you know, where is that? That problem is, is actually on that the middle tables you know that's i think that's it's almost like how do you gauge the success of a population to use some social uh social science theory right is like by the people who are doing the worst you know if you want to know the health of a society look at its prisons is a an old adage i can't remember who was originally attributed the quote like not that like the mid tables are the prisons by any means but but if you want to do a real litmus test of the health of the game you look at the middle tables of age of sigmar not the top tables and not the bottom tables you know like You've really got to see what's going on in that that sort of fat middle right um and... yeah I mean the, the middle is where you
0: see more armies than anywhere else right like more different armies because you have gloomspite spite armies that that are going three and two especially before they took away their endless belt fun
1: oh my um, gosh they need to they need a sub faction that ignores that rule.
0: <laughs> that, that, maybe they maybe they give that to the regular get faction
1: right get just give it they don't have allegiance abilities anyway so just give them that as an allegiance ability they ignore the zero to three rule they should be the only army that ignores it <laughs> and, and it needed, won't be a problem it was so
0: depressing it but was they, so depressing when they took that was the army that like needed the help and it was the one that was like spamming like
1: sure it was the, yeah but they were doing it in the bad way Zeech was doing it in the annoying way they were doing it in the, <laughs> the awesome way.
0: Yeah, they were doing it for crowd control and like that was their defense was was minus 1 to hit. Like you already had it built into the army. Like you just stacked it as much as possible and it was it was fun it was funny to play against. It was kind of aggravating when you have witch elves that are hitting on fives. I will say that. Yeah. I did do that for for several times.
2: Oh. Um
0: but yeah, it, that was that was the one army that I was really sad for the endless spell change. Or make it so like you can only have three generic endless spells, and your your faction endless spells don't count towards it. Like I feel like there's a lot of things you could do to to kind of make that. Better. I
1: I overall like the the zero to three rule. I just think gets should just get a a leech's ability that says you ignore this rule. We do it all the time with yeah. with with army rules. You can just say you know you can if you want to lock it behind a sub faction, you lock it behind a sub faction. You want to do it as an allegiance ability, you just make it a, a base allegiance ability. And one of the big reasons for this is their endless spell box is one of the only ones that comes with more than three. I think it might be the only one that comes with four allegiance, uh, four spells. The rest have three oh. as an army. They get yep. four. think
0: mean, mushroom, scuttle tide, and the
1: cauldron. Yeah. I, I didn't I hadn't even thought about that. And usually uh look at the models for how they dictate the rules. Squad sizes, weapon allotments. It's almost yep. always what's in the kit. Um, yep, they come with. That was a change because uh, originally
0: you could just have as many nets as you want until that actually until that book came out. <laughs> so annoying.
1: <laughs> oh man, I I've uh, I have lost to some netters. I love skeletons, but boy do they hate nets. <laughs> like they just yeah the, the
0: way to like. You might not beat Daughters of Cain, but you can get a moral victory, making their witch elves hit on fives or sixes, Oh, yeah. and just like standing there la- cackling the entire oh, time. On the,
1: on the right battle plan, it's like it's like forty k green carpet. It's just you're not gonna win this game. I like you, like 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 I might lose, but you're not gonna win. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I think it's perfect for them because it
0: is literally it's a book all about spite. Like yeah. it is it is that it's perfect for one of my buddies, which is it, we we got. He was playing that for a while, and it was funny, because that's basically what it was. Is if he was miserable, you were going to be miserable. And that was the entire game plan.
1: I, see, I like I like quirks like that in the game. I like some of that in, in our game. I really do. Uh, I think it's what gives the game the personality, which is why you, know, you can't scrub away all the sharp edges and make it all the finely tuned machine that everyone wants it to be like Magic the Gathering. We don't want that for our game. Um, getting back to some of these chat questions, because Soren was popping off with them. Um, what were a couple we missed? Um, What army would you want to see improve the most, and how? I think I know this answer. Is it Sylvaneth? I mean, it's it, Sylvaneth. It's it, Sylvaneth. Like, it,
0: Uh, it, An army that I haven't talked about constantly on here, uh Beast of Chaos. Hell yeah! Um, it, it's an army that, I, I love the aesthetic, I love the lore. Like, the fact that they think they're better than all the Slaves Start. Yeah, We've it's, talked here. about it before.
1: Yeah, my <laughs> slaves are on this shelf here. Right here. The fact
0: that they think they're better they're than the Chaos Gods, idea. and so they don't want to bow to them, oh, yeah. even though the Chaos Gods are controlling them. Great lore, oh, like, yeah. I love it.
1: It's the Code of the um, Barbarian thing. It's like, you know, get, to hell with you! Like, it's so good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and, I mean, it's it's minor tweaks for them, I think. It, like, minor tweaks, I think, catapult them forward, which I think is kind of the a little bit of the issue, is the way that army is designed if they change too much, they're going to be so powerful because they're just going to have so many bodies on the
1: table. That's the thing, is, like, I... I, You get through a list build, and you'll be at, like, 1,500 points, and you'll have, like, 120 bodies. And you're just like, cool. Like, I just want one awesome thing to spend that 500 points on that, that, you know? Like, one or two monsters that just are that force multiplier in the right way that you want to see, like... I like that they don't have anvils. Actually, I think that that army should never have anvils. They really should just trade places with you. It's just their murder needs to be more. They oh yeah, to- and I mean that—that that was kind of
0: their lore, right? Was like you literally go in and murder all of them, and then all of their friends come and because they're all coming to the Hearthstone. That was that was the old lore for them. And uh, it, I, I'd love now that they brought back back Sigvald, I'd love for them to bring like Malgurz back and things like that, like the. Him being controlled by Zinch and having the the spawn claw while he's fighting all of it that that was all great. I I I take him easily over Sigvald.
1: Mm, yeah, hell yeah. Um, I mean, I'm gonna buy into Sigvald. I already know that. But my <laughs> beasts of chaos were that close to being depraved drove already, so this is just uniting the clans for me, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I think the
0: the way to play him before was you just play Slanesh and you play Slanesh Dagors because those were the best Dagors. <laughs>
1: Oh, I, I, the I, I had a was it fifty, fifty Bestigor, uh Depraved drove list that I was, I, I lined it up against a poor scaven player, and I, I, t- I turned uh, bottom of two. He was dead. I'm just like, I am so uh, sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Mike
0: Vegetus is not, not going to like that. I'm telling this story, but that was basically the last round at ETC. Is that's what he was paired against, and I literally, and it was better part of valor, and I literally walk up to him. and I'm like, just know that those bestigors are moving 19 inches and then charging you. And he's like, yeah, I got it. And like, so he backs off the middle and I walk back like a minute later and I'm like, Mike, you know, you've lost this game, right? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well... He's literally just going to walk across in a line, and he doesn't even need to hit the middle. He just hits the side, and then he's going to pile into the middle, and now he's got all three of your objectives, and he's going to burn them in one turn. So instead of doing that, just make sure he doesn't get his secondaries, and you get all of yours. And that that was literally what it was, and it was a minute into the game, just based off deployment.
1: Oh man, the the 19-inch the threat, and then with the the exploding uh, sixes, and sometimes fives, uh, like it just gave you that extra oomph those Besticores want, you know? Oh, so sick. So sick. I that army was fun once. I played it, but like <laughs> I looked across my opponent's face just like you know, like the whole time as like I wasn't even doing like keeper spam. It 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 uses heroes, but I think I had I had two keepers and then like I had the mask because it could keep up with the bestigors a little bit to to kind of project a locust. and like that was kind of it, but it was just like 50 bestigors Blazing fast, doing heavy lifting, and
0: I didn't end up go, but I think it was to it was either Flying Monkey or um, the one in Omaha. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna take uh, essentially it was gonna be two blocks of Bestigors, two Keepers, an Epitome, and then I think a chariot or two. Oh team yeah, Epitome,
1: you gotta take Epitome, yeah, one hundred percent. So like it
0: was it was the Min Depraved Host uh, dep- yeah, Depraved Toast, um, with with as many Bestigors as I felt I could take. And then two keepers to kind of back him up. And then an epitome. And then I also had the, the mirror endless spell because it was just janky.
1: This this was the list that uh this was my list that had a uh uh had a uh a beast a beast lord kill a, a keeper of secrets in a different game. I lost that one, but uh uh he killed a keeper of secrets full to dead, um with a sorta sort of judgment. I was being cheeky, I was being cute. And just full to dead of the keeper of secrets. Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sad that they took away Sword of Judgment.
1: It's <laughs> a great equalizer
0: in a lot of ways.
1: I love Hotspur's like Beast of Chaos. No gods, no managers. That's right. I love it. They're great. <laughs> That's just the realization that they just got beaten by Beast of Chaos. Beasts of Chaos are a fantastic. Their their lore, their fluff, even their models are pretty sweet. They're they they show a little bit of. They're a little dated. But
0: their resin all their resin models need to be updated. Yeah. Which unfortunately I think that means that they go away and they get new models that are
2: different.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Like even though the the resin uh, the the beast lord with the double axis looks pretty sweet, the winds like the hairs blown in the wind yeah. and stuff. Like it, I don't know. It's it's a cool army. Um I can't I've got a two army rule, and the loophole is if I convert them to depraved drove they're slanesh, and therefore I can collect Sigvald and. arch me. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't have to sell them then if if uh they're just slanesh now. Uh... <laughs> I
0: I need that rule as much as anything else. If anybody needs a fleshier court army, let me know. <laughs> I, I think I have like eighty ghouls, new on brew. The
1: there you go. I might actually take you up on that because death is one <laughs> army. You see that? Is,
0: that's true. It's Grand Alliance death.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, I also
0: have a I have a terror that I magnetized fairly well into a terror or a zombie dragon. That's
1: interesting. So that I pretty can cool. switch between
0: that. It it's literally just a head swap.
1: Oh, that's pretty cool. Um yeah, uh, uh sorry, I got I got excited about Beast of Chaos again. This happens to me sometime. Uh what are the Soren I I missed a bunch of your questions, I'm sorry, bud. Um What do you see as an army that is not a hard counter to any army? I mean there's probably a lot of armies that aren't hard counters to
0: I mean Gids. Get Gids is a soft counter to everybody anything that it's good against, and it's not a hard counter to anybody. Because you always hit on sixes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, good answer. Alright. G <laughs> dad, yes, fleshy accords best faction. You can always sell the undead to make room. <laughs> I think might have been. The- that one was for you. I think that was for me as well. Uh disgusting. No, death is best. You don't you don't sell your forever home. You sell the vacation home, not the forever home.
0: I have a I have a case with four shelves on it, and it's there's just elves on all four shelves. Sylvaneth is at the bottom, and then Lumineth, and then Daughters of Cain, and then uh Deepkin at the top. Do you- and that is, that is the shelf. That is the the display case. Are,
1: are they shelved in order of which ones you like the most? Like the top shelf is your favorite? or?
0: Uh, let's go with right now. They're, uh, other than Sylvaneth, it's what I like best painted-wise. So My Daughters of Cain have not been touched or repainted since they beat Brendan Melnick at Adepticon uh, two years ago.
1: <laughs> Shade. Just, <a>
0: little... <laughs> just throwing that out there. Kane, hopefully he's still in chat, because otherwise I didn't want to do that.
1: Uh, I'll, I'll make sure he hears it. <laughs>
0: uh, no, so that army, I, I it was going to be painted really well, and then I ended up uh, taking a new job and didn't think I was going to Adepticon. And then my training schedule came out, uh, and I just randomly had that, that Saturday off because I was basically retail support through corporate. And uh, so nor- my normal days off were Sunday, Monday, right? And so like Saturday was a normal day at work, but my... Uh, for whatever reason, it got left off the schedule, whatever. Uh, so literally that Tuesday, I get my schedule for training that week. It's not on the schedule. I go home that night, pay for a flight, and start painting my daughter's cane army. Mm. Um, just nights, because I was working 10 hours a day throughout that time period, and uh, flew out Friday night, got to Chicago uh, at 1 in the morning, and then woke up the next day and walked up and said, hey, can I play just like Mark? Because obviously it was all sold out. Because that's what Adepticon does,
1: right? Oh yeah, yep. it sells out. Oh, what was <laughs> it? Two? Uh, it was. It was something like an hour twenty minutes last time. Just.
0: I, I, it was. I insane. was. At, I was at an event. Um, I was at an event down in Colorado Springs, and they their Wi-Fi was shit. Or was crap. So I like we we couldn't get tickets. So I was on a wait list. But again, a big event like that. If you want to go, just go because they're always going to have room. Um, the average event has like a 10% drop rate, if anybody wants to do that math.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I. Yeah, just show up. Just hang out. Um, good, good, good competitive tip there. <laughs> I've never been turned away. Let's put it that way. I showed up at
0: LVO and did the same. No, I didn't this year for LVO. I did last year. This year, someone ended up selling the, like, exclusive bundle for the same price as the regular ticket. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll just buy that. Yeah. But yeah. Know, I've stopped buying tickets before events, which is really bad. Unless they're a friend of mine because, you know, some of those events need money for venue before the actual event happens.
1: SA uh SAGT sold out in two minutes this year. Cheapers. It's uh of course an Australian event. Um Saggy Saggy T. That's uh, Doom and Darkness's event, right? Uh SAGT, I think. Uh Kernighet, you can correct me on that. Um so much Twitter drama. I I I I just haven't been paying attention, apparently, um, <laughs> to to Twitter drama. I I just don't have the the mental capacity, the the mental bandwidth for for drama right now. I'm I'm just trying to get through my stuff. Um, so uh, any I, I, before I transition to talking to you a little bit about etc. Any any sort of like uh, in general. Uh, competitive AOS uh hot takes, uh uh stories, anecdotes you want to get out the way? Uh, I don't think so. I think we we've been pretty we've been pretty thorough, um, as it were. Um I, I had a couple questions, but I, I'm I'm gonna wrap them into some ETC talk. Sounds good. Um so so ETC, uh you said you, the first year was it three uh you were a, a coach, right? Yep. And then uh and then take me through that like a real again. Real real quick just re- reset it.
0: Um so like I said, I met Bill uh I met met Bill like he actually knew who I was uh at Nova um the year before. So that would have been ETC 2019, so that would have been Nova 2018. Uh we ended up playing round 4. Um and like I said, he already knew Mike. I knew Mike. That's how I get to Your know people. Link. Yeah, yeah, um, and so we just we had a fun fun game, just you know, joking around. Went into it like I ended up having like he saved fifteen out of sixteen of uh, Marathi's attacks into a Terror Grace, Uh damage off of the just the feel no pain, not even the saves. Like sixteen went through, feel no pains. Um, so that that was basically game. Um, I was also running witch elves at the time because they were. Fewer points than Sisters of Slaughter. Now it's all, Sisters of Slaughter all the all times,
2: mm-hmm. at all
0: times. If it's a big block, run Sisters of Slaughter. It's pro tip. Um, and, and uh, so we were just having fun, just yelling at each other. And so then he uh, he ended up getting a group of us together in a chat. Like I said, Mike was the only person I knew in this. Uh, that's not true. I know I knew Joe Career, but um, through other random events and stuff going on, um. But that was about it. I knew Mike, I knew Bill, and I knew knew Joe. And I would say there was probably about ten of us in this group, and we were we were just talking about Age of Sigmar, um, just in general, not talking about etc. It was just a group to hang out and chat in, and uh, that was basically how Bill um, chose the the etc team that year. Um, and the big reason was is we didn't know if it was going to happen. Um, like it, that first year, um, we there were. 12 or 14 teams I want to say 12 um so when you're when you're going into an experience like that where especially for us we're all over the country we're traveling together for multiple practices um like meeting up in different cities that year we did Chicago and Pittsburgh um and then we're traveling all the way over to Europe like you want someone that you can rely on right like that was the biggest thing so that's why like Bill didn't want to let anybody down by having them invest all this time and money and then have it not happen. Yeah. And then he also wanted to bring people he could trust because he didn't want to go all the way over to Europe and like have someone flake out last minute and ruin it for everybody else. So it was it was kind of twofold. It was protecting him and protecting everybody else
1: in his mindset. I, I can see. I can I can I can see his his thing. I my only interactions with Bill have been have been digital, uh but when I sort of started out in Age of Sigmar community, I was on TGA a bunch. And um, he was, as a sort of death-faithful type player, I always run into him in the the death, you know, sort of section of the forums. He was always super nice to me, always took his time to explain, like, if there was, like, a... a, You know, he was on Flesh Eater Courts when it was bad at that weird, like, you know, in-between period. I'm like, how are you winning with this, you know? And he he would just sit there and he would talk to me, because I'm like, my puzzle brain is, like... Well, it (laughs) turns out... when.
0: Slinesh learned this very well. The next year, when you have four thousand points on the table, yes, and keep getting more, um, it turns out that that's usually pretty good. Yeah. And so infinite ghouls is is how Bill was. Yeah. yeah. And that was it was really funny because he actually had a janky that list that was that was really good that he took to Nova that year, um, and then he got Nagash three times, so he had to play against Nagash, and Nagash handed dusted. Uh, when he played against Will, um, uh, Suheili... Um, he literally three turns in a row, hand of dust, the terror geist, hand of dust, the Terrorgeist. hand of dust, Arcan. um, like three turns in a row. Um, because I think, I think it was that many a- and it was just, it was just awful. So he actually changed from his Nova list, which was, um, lots of jank to that, to that, uh, the LVO list that year that. One overall, with just like having, he literally had Tupperwares full of ghouls, because mm-hmm. he was just putting four D six ghouls out a turn.
1: What was interesting about his list is the core of the list was running flares, as I recall, which was what was the oh, weird part to me. Horrors. What was that? It was horrors. Horrors. Usually, yeah, uh, he did summon flares
0: occasionally if he needed something that was fast moving to get around the table. That's what it was. It was, was, the, was the
1: horrors thing that that threw me for a loop. Looking at it, and I'm just like running the core of horrors. And I'm like, obviously he's going to summon on this stuff, but I'm like, it it was, it was awesome. But again, like he just, I'm a nobody at the, I'm, I still feel like I'm, I'm a relative nobody, but I, I'm literally just a rando on, on an internet forum that you've never heard of. You don't know the real name of asking him questions like on the, di- like practically daily. And he, he just always had time for me. So I like, I was always like this, you know, this dude's pretty cool. um, But I, I really only know him by reputation I know he doesn't. Even
0: if Bill Bill Sousa hates you, he's still going to be nice to you. Hmm. That—that's just who he is as a person.
1: Well, that reassures uh, me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so
0: here—here is actually an anecdote. So, like I said, that was uh, Nova that year is when I really got to know Bill. I met him the LVO before that, Mm -hmm. um, because Mike already knew him, and and I was friends with Mike, and so. uh, I ended up dropping after round three because my grandma actually passed away. Sad story, but we'll move past it. I have. Um, so I kind of, I dropped. I just didn't feel like playing. My very next game, funnily enough, was against Joe Career, and he was playing 200 horrors in Chain host and I just didn't feel like dealing with it. So I said, hey, Joe, I'm just dropping. Uh, I For those of you that don't like Joker, I did make him deploy his entire army before I conceded. Um, so that was pretty funny, because he was playing one drop change host. So a little fun fun there. But spied, then I went just to,
1: go, to spite him a little bit. Oh, yeah,
0: just to spite a little bit, because that's who I, <laughs> who I am. Um, so I went and watched Bill play the next day, um, and he was playing, I don't know who he was playing against, but he was playing against Nato at the time.
1: And um, Old Nato, the um, yeah, uh, Old MSL, yeah,
0: Yep, um, that was actually the same event I met Andrew Standiford as well. Um, so I was kind of moving between those two games, um, hanging out with both of them a little bit. Um, I knew Andrew better, uh, at that point. So, um, mostly hanging out with Andrew. Um, but I kept going over to Bill's game. I think it was like bottom of three or something like that. Uh, his opponent, like, so you can't said, so you can't win. So like, do you just want to call this? And and Bill just gave him a big smile. And he says, what do you mean? I can't win. And he's like, well, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and you can't come back on points. And he's like. Oh, I don't know like maybe I can maybe we should just roll it out and, and figure it out and a big smile on his face the entire time but you could see it um, so he literally so bill plays without shoes on all the time um, but he's usually sitting down he's sitting down weird. most game.
1: weird <laughs> yeah um, bill
0: literally stands up at that point uh, after he said let's just roll it out and physically pulls up his pants um, and then starts playing the game. He ends up pulling out that game, and ever since then, I've called that Bill pulling on his tryhard pants, because Bill is not that person. He's not the person that like cares enough to like argue about calls or anything like that. But this guy was so arrogant, and that a- like Bill Bill could not win this game. <laughs> Bill was so like I wouldn't say furious, but like indignant. Like, oh, really? You don't think so? You're about to I- see what's going to happen. And literally stands up, pulls up his pants, and plays that game out, and wins that game by, like, chaining out a unit of plague monks all the way across the board in, like, the most weird fashion ever, and winning that game. And it was, that was probably my favorite Age of Sigmar anecdote, and it's about Bill Sousa.
1: That's amazing. You no, know, I, um, I have this setting, too. I call it the O'Reilly oh, moment. moment. Um, <laughs> so there's a, uh, it's a Seinfeld story, where he, he talked about, like, how the, the, the comedian on on, that opened a show show for him, introduced him as the it's the funniest man in the world Jerry Seinfeld, and the whole audience collectively leaned back and went Oh really? <laughs> and he like bombed, and so like I like I there's just that something that happens. It's in the lizard brain when somebody is that indignant toward you. Like I can just feel my brain cross its arms and go Oh really? Yeah. And I, I have. Uh- go ahead. No, that
0: that was basically it. Go for it.
1: No, I, I had this. I had this moment where somebody was like, like, uh, I, I'm not proud of it, but it, it was a tournament, and they're like, "Oh, like you know how are you doing, man?" And uh, they gave me what I call like the the Eeyore, you know, where I was like, and I don't normally do this. I think it's not me, but they uh, like I, I walked up to the table and I'm doing my gen, gen you know general thing. I'm, like, holding my Nagash, and I go, oh, like, how's it going? And they're like, oh, man, like, not good. But it wasn't like a, oh, man, not good. It was like, oh, not good. I just brought the wrong army, and today sucks. And, like, my and like I'm not even going to have fun. And, and my brain just went like, oh, really? And I'm like, you're right, you're not going to have fucking fun. Like, I just, like, I don't know. Like, they just flip that switch. I mean, I guess that's the opposite of the someone telling me that I can't beat them because... What? So I'm I'm the opposite way with
0: that. If I walk up to a table and you get like disheartened, I'm gonna try everything in my fucking power for us to have fun. Yes. And then if I can't, then I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll just Because then this I don't feel bad afterwards. If I'm joking around with you the entire time and like, uh, you know, I'll make weird charges or like, eh, I'm just joking around the entire time. Like once I have a game in hand, I'll just start. Messing around, which I could see as being construed as bad, but like I, I, love charging twenty-five millimeter bases in between twenty-five millimeter bases and having the units strung in between each other. It's just a fun little quirk.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I'll try my hardest to get you to have fun and, and joke around well, because then at that point, if you're still not doing it, I know it's not my fault.
1: Yeah, well, I mean that's, I mean, I, I usually I'm like that because it's like I, I go into most games wanting you to have a good game as my like main. My main motivation is usually like I want us to have a great game. Um, yep. It's it's from my professional wrestling uh, training. Um, the like the first rule of wrestling is you is uh, you help your opponent have a good match, mm-hmm. and then the second rule of wrestling is you have a good match, and if mm-hmm. the third rule is if you've done rule one, rule two, you will have a good match.
2: Okay.
1: So, like, that comes into my mind when I play... I've, I've talked about this before. I have, like, a wrestling persona. Mr. Mephisto is, like, my persona that I go into at the table, and I'm, like, talking shit, and, like, the whole time... Like, I have my opponents, like, cheer my charges and stuff, and I'm like, don't cheer that fucking charge. No, you should be upset about that charge. I just need a 12-inch <laughs> charge. I'm in your face. Like, I, like, I, I go full, like, heal mode. Because I'm trying to, like, get them out of that, like, I don't want them to ever think they have to be fake nice with me and stuff. And like I'm like, I, I need your anger to be happy. And, you know, so I get into this banter mode. But it comes from that wrestling training of, like, your opponent has a good match. You have a good match. Or your opponent has a good match. You make the match good. Then you will have a good match. And so I go into it that way. But for whatever reason, that one day that guy's just like, he just said it in the right tone in my lizard brain. Just, like, electrocuted <laughs> awake. And I'm like, you're right. I'm going to crush you. <laughs> and I felt the need to crush this one human once. And I felt horrible about it ever since, and I've never shared this story before now. <laughs> it was
2: Yeah, more... I mean, it, it, exactly <laughs> that
0: feeling afterwards is why I can't do that. Like, I, it, as much as I, like, so, it's one of those things where I try to make the best first, it's really weird, I try to make the best first impression possible, and then once we get to know each other, I don't really care. Like, I'm just gonna joke around and have fun, and, like, it. it not care not that i don't care about you as a person but like i let i let all my guard down and i'll just be as sarcastic as i want to i'll you know i'll make offhand jokes things like that yeah, so yeah. it's really guarded originally and then i'll just so uh it kind of goes into lvo this past year my game in the semifinals was against will sahili and uh we know each other pretty well anyone that didn't know me watching that game I have no idea what they would have thought, because I was literally yelling at Will the entire time. Not angrily, just like, we all know you're going to fucking do it, let's just do it. He was playing Celeste Lanesh and he was the one that won the, the whole event, and he won it because by chaining out, uh, let's see, it was three heralds, two harps, and a chariot from a keeper of secrets with one wound left
2: hmm.
0: on a hero scoring mission. That on... If he won turn, if I won turn five, I win. If he wins ter- priority turn five, he charges my grancer and kills it and wins. And that's what happens is is he rolled that turn five. But like on on turn four when he did all the summoning, uh, he ended up failing the charge of the grancer, which was funny. Um, but he's <laughs> like, so I can do it. Like, do you just want to shake hands? I'm like, fuck no. And I sit down and I tell him, we all know what you're gonna do. We just want to see you do this bullshit. And, and I'm I'm having fun with him and he's having fun with me but I can't even imagine what everybody watched that game was thinking because yeah. uh, I, I literally had a yellow die because that was the, the joke this past year was yellow cards because uh, they were giving out yellow cards for like late list submission and things like that but they were literally meaningless um, so every time he like didn't measure something and move too far or deep struck too close or things like that I had a big yellow die that I just kept turning up
1: <laughs> the shade I love this <laughs>
0: Yeah, so we were we were just having fun the entire game, and it, it was a blast. That was probably one of the my favorite Age of Sigmar games I've had so far. What do,
1: what do you think? Um, it, what do you think enables something like that, like in Age of Sigmar? Because I I can't think of. I've got one story of having that much fun in Magic the Gathering at a real real tournament. One story like that. Um is it the I, social I nature like, of the game is it yeah. yeah i mean you've got the social nature
0: of the game you've got the the community aspect to it like i said i don't think i i i wouldn't have felt comfortable doing that with anybody else that i didn't know That's true. Um, that even some people that i do know i don't think i could do that with um i've known joker for three four years now i don't think i could do that with him
2: yeah
0: um, i think he would either get in his head or get mad at me or whatever um, but Will is just that personality that is like always smiling, always laughing, no matter what you do. So I know I can yell at
1: him. Well, there's, um, go, yeah, go so that part
0: is it. It's just the community aspect of it.
1: Well, I think I mean it, when you go to a competitive event, and this is, you know, when you go to a competitive event, you have to build fast rapport with people. This goes back to like when you play in your your region, you get to develop rapport over several tournaments. But I I do think there's a you know a little bit of the 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 fight club or, or or boxing manifesto of you don't know somebody till you fight them type thing. Like, yeah, you can build a ton of rapport with people, but you don't... Until you actually play them on the table, you don't fully know them. You know? And, yep. and to build fast rapport uh, in a moment... Of that sort of turn zero, where you show up and you swap lists, and you're like, "How's your tournament going so far?" Hey, is this your first one? Or I know you, so I know it's not your first one. You know, like all that stuff to get to that that fast rapport to kind of be as much yourself as you can be in 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 a play a play environment. That for me is what's awesome about Age of Sigmar. Um, I, I
0: don't. know. Yeah, I I've never really seen any. In reality, I've never seen anything that's the same way the 40 i don't the 40k scene is not that way and that's what i i tell people like i know a lot of people don't go to major cons where you have multiple events happening at the same time Mm -hmm. a lot of people are just going to like hey i'm going to a two-day age of sigmar event or whatever um but walking into playing age of sigmar and walking into the 40k room where you just hear at the same time seven different people around the room yelling judge um that doesn't happen in the age of sigmar room like we figure it out, and I—it's really special. I don't know what causes that, um, and it's—it's it's a really interesting situation.
1: Yeah, cool. I mean, I—I—I'm—I'm I'm with you. I—I didn't. My forty k experiences were all LGS stuff, so I really can't comment on on tournament forty k. But I know that experience is sitting down with with headphone guy, uh, headphone guy. Uh, I talk about in, in the Magic... They come up to the Magic the Gathering, they're wearing their headphones, they shake your hand, they never say a word to you, and they just play the game. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm not memeing on it, uh, you know, it's cool that Magic the Gathering is a game where we don't need to share a common language, we can play it that way. But mm-hmm. I can't fathom headphone guy in Age of Sigmar. Like, I just... I mean, it work. As much as anything else, like,
0: I'm not going to try to count your dice. I, I, I need you to tell me how many hits you got. Like... <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: it's not worth it. Yeah, uh, or that's the other one. Like it, it it's an interesting thing because like in the forty k room, you'll never roll your opponent's dice ever, 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 ever. But I don't know how many times like I've rolled plague like, monks or witch elves, and it's like sixty dice, and I'm like, here, here's my wounds, roll that, and uh, like it's one of those things. I don't care about my dice. Like it's whatever. I know they're fine. um So you can roll my dice. If someone says no, I want to roll my own dice. Fine. But I'm gonna give you the offer. Like, I don't wanna count these. Don't make me count these. Just roll my dice. It already gives us the answer. Yeah. Um so I I don't know. It,
1: it's it, wow. it's
0: an interesting experience. It's it's an interesting difference between the two rooms, it really is.
1: Really? So uh can I can I have you go on record here? And you can like you can just blink twice if you don't wanna answer. Which do you prefer, forty K <laughs> or Age of Sigmar? Tournament wise. Age, Age of Sigmar. One hundred okay, cool. It, yeah, you even not think... not a good question. Yeah. I, I if I
0: play in 40k events, it'll be local events that, um, like, don't like I said, don't have an Age of Sigmar aspect to them. It's some, it, it's a social event at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to hang out with buddies, so I I don't care about 40. Like, I want to win if I'm playing. Don't get me wrong, because as it goes back to earlier, I, yep. it's just that's the way it is. So if, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to try to do it well. But I don't care as nearly as much about it as I do about the Age of Sigmar as a game.
1: That's fair. That's super fair. Uh, I mean, I've been, this is the question that caused me to make Rantcast and has had me just enamored with the Age of Sigmar community. Um, Like, is what makes this game different? What makes it special? I feel like every Rantcast I'm trying to put my finger on it and I just, I never figure, I never quite figure it out. There's just, I don't know. um, Part of it is, I think, where I am at my stage in life. Of of you know they say that like the only the only places you really make friends are work and school and then after that you're just but with Age of Sigmar I I've made friends and I've defied that yeah. and you know That's and and I, I don't know man it's crazy um, I, I mean
0: I don't know this for sure but I think one of the things it could be is the I know with a lot of the top 40k players through like ETC and stuff like that because we hung obviously we hung out with the 40k team a, a decent amount while we were over there. Um I feel like the the top players in the 40k scene are very are more insular than they are in the Age of Sigmar scene and it might be just the size of the 40k community um that they are they're very insular with, within themselves where like if you don't know them they might not open up to you as much whereas like if anybody walks up to me and asks me a question I I'm, I'm going to answer the question like you know hey what do you do if this happens or this happens well here you go this is what I do um and and i that might be the difference is we're smaller so we're kind of forced to uh to get to know everybody yeah uh, and engage with everybody so i mean that's a possibility but i mean i would say a lot of the a lot of the people that i see on national like on on at major events uh a lot of the top players are the top players in in most of those events mm-hmm. but they don't hang out with each other and just block out everybody else it, everybody's kind of grouped together
1: mm-hmm. yeah Interesting, um, so so I want to kind of moved into talking about etc. Um, so you sort of talked about how Souza sort of sculpted the team sort of yeah, that first, first year. Yep. Um, going forward, obviously, then that was would have been the sort of phantom year, the the COVID year, right? Um, yep. How he went into actually like sort of taking applications. I know Jake uh, from our area made made the tournament, and that was like the year that yep. he he kind of. Uh, we don't have a uh, what's it called in in horse in in horse racing uh, the triple cr- triple, crown. triple crown. He sort yeah. of like had his triple crown year where he he got his hobby score, he got he got his hobby award, he got his yeah. sports award, and he got his, his like big tournament like he actually rattled off big tournament wins like he got two or three of them. Um, okay. So he had kind of his triple crown year. Seemed like a shoe in from from my perspective to make the ETC team. How did he go into to selecting that? Because like he obviously you know, he's not playing every single Midwest tournament, let alone every tournament across the, across the...
0: Well, and and it's kind of funny, because we kind of mentioned this before, where the Midwest is kind of a, is kind of a bubble, right? Yeah. So, like, you could win every event in the Midwest, other than, and not go to Adeptagon, and I might not know who you are. Um, just because, like, that's just the reality of the situation, is if I don't, if I don't follow the right people on Twitter, or, like, follow the right people or like spend all the time on the TGA community. I I just don't know about it. Like yeah. it, it, that's kind of the unfortunate situation. The the ones we really get viewpoints on are Adepticon, uh, LVO and Nova. Those are the ones that are just kind of natural universal. And I think Texas is trying to do it with WarGamesCon, which gets into issues with their masters program, which I've discussed with some of the people that are involved with that. That hopefully they're gonna try to make it a little I'm, better, but
1: I'm not I'm not fam- I'm not familiar with this this at all. I gotta I gotta touch base with uh, Jeremy. Cooper oh, it or... was a,
0: someone linked it in chat earlier. The Texas Masters Group. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically have a, a GT in all the major cities in Texas, mm-hmm. and then multiple RTTs in all the major cities in Texas, and they have their own like point scoring system. But they 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 were doing a really good job of trying to promote outside of Texas. And then it's almost like they sl- they slammed the door on everybody else, hmm. where they they wanted to like they were trying to shut everybody out that wasn't part of the master circuit type mm-hmm. thing, which was kind of unfortunate. So I think it has I, to do
1: with one of the one of the gentlemen who was kind of in charge of things shut uh, uh, stepped down, and then it was left open to the. the so I love
0: John. Uh, I I know John because I went down to War Games Con. Uh, so I I, I lo- John Kanapke was fucking awesome. Um, that was. The biggest namesday that I knew in the Texas community, and that's uh, one of the reasons I went down to War Con. Mike was actually living down in in the Dallas area, so that that's what really got me down there. But I met John there, and like he like kept in the loop with him. But I have another buddy that's down there now that's trying to get more involved to kind of pick up yeah. that slack.
1: Yes, yeah, so this is where we just need ambassador community ambassadors <laughs> to like, flit about. No, I, I yeah. think it was. I think that that the autocracy of a system like that takes over when the person spearheading it steps down, that's giving yep. it That's giving it the sort of, like, uh, that's giving yeah, it the I mean, personal uh, sort of free will aspect, and then once that, that person driving that, like, steps down and goes and does a different thing for personal life reasons, whatever, you know, whatever's going on. Like, you, you just got to yep. step away from Age of Sigmar for a little bit. Um, and John was friends with all of
0: the, the Iron Realms guys down in Oklahoma and the Flying Monkey guys up in Kansas. He was friends with all them, too, so that's part of the reason he wanted to um like go into itc and kind of expand out and bring people in is because he he did know people outside just the texas area and and wanted them to be included and bring people into that yeah. that community
2: yeah
0: um so i i hopefully they they uh open back up a little bit but getting getting back to the the, the point I, I, when... I have
1: faith that they will i i know i know a few of them kind of on yeah. on the inner circuit they will they're yeah. I hope so. Uh,
0: I know Garrett, Garrett, and a couple other guys went down to War Games Con last year. Unfo- i wanted to because it's like a fifty dollars flight to, to Dallas, and then I have someone that can drive me down. Um, unfortunately, it was it was the week after ETC last year, and I stayed in the UK after ETC, so like I, I couldn't. You got to
1: do some touring, man.
0: It, yeah, I have I actually have friends over there, so I I went and stayed over there with them. Um, but yeah, so. Um, Anyway, get back to it. Like, you know, Jake could have won everything that wasn't Adepticon. We still might not know who he was. Uh, Jake and Sean – Jake, I know for sure, I think Sean was also there, uh, ran into Bill the year before at the Michigan GT. And so they had talked quite a bit and kind of stayed in communication between the whole thing. And then um, it was something we had talked about the year before was once we kind of got this settled and, like, hey, this is going to keep going – um, that's when Bill, uh, released the application in 2020. Um, so like I went through the application process, every single person that was on the team in 2019, other than Bill went through the application process again. Um, and that's when you saw like, uh, Roger stayed on his coach, Sam was a player. And then I went from coach to player. We had three plus bill out of the seven of us, um, that were carryovers from the year before. And we brought on four new people, uh, three new people. Uh, which were Chai Zola, um, Jake, and Jeremy. Um, Jeremy, uh, kind of the, the, that year's LVO, um, kind of hung out with us a decent amount more. And then uh, he and Bill played in like round five or something like that. Um, and then Chai, I played, or uh, I was standing next to for two rounds at Adepticon, and he ended up leapfrogging me. Uh, and then we played some other time. I think it was at like Nova or something. So, like, I knew Chai pretty well and things like that. So it, it, was, it was kind of a hybrid between the two, right? Because it was people that we knew and some people we didn't know that well. Um, like, we didn't know any of those three that well, but they submitted their applications. They obviously had their resume behind it. And, again, we brought, like, ten people into a chat, and we just spent two or three months talking. Um, and it was just, like... Sometimes it was about football. Sometimes it wasn't even about Age of Sigmar, but it was just seeing who like could vibe. Did right? any
1: Packers fans make the final roster? I'm just.
0: Uh, <laughs> you can just go. go on. You don't need to answer. Go on. I think Sean and Jake are for some reason Bears fans, aren't they?
1: Yeah, it's, it's sad.
0: I'm surprised they, they just both live in gotten...
1: Michigan. I understand not being Lions fans, but come on. Well, I, I
0: just, I thought you would still get stabbed in Detroit for not being a Lions fan.
1: Not. Detroit's actually a super chill city. It's just that they're like they just watch the industri- industry collapse around them and create a whole like a yes. weird vacuum. Um, no I went to a, uh, when I was still on the uh, the fighter game circuit and stuff uh, Yumacon is sort of viewed as like um, the t- big tune up for like the, their big uh, tournament season with Capcom Cup and all the like all the big stuff gotcha. for for fighters. Um, super chill. But like you're super relegated to just kind of like the downtown area, and yeah, so I never got to see like the rest of Detroit. But everyone I I encountered over a convention weekend was pretty awesome. So, mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah, no, uh, no, I do not believe there are any Packers. Here. Or yeah,
1: it's like right but at it, the top of my list. Uh, this is why I'm not ETC team captain. Well, <laughs> uh, well,
0: just to get Bill and I hated more. We're both big, huge Patriots fans. <sighs>
1: <laughs> I liked you all the way until right now,
0: and I'm okay with it. Doesn't doesn't it affect was like, me. I liked though.
1: you all the way until right now. That's fine. No, I'm kidding. I i, <laughs> I the I, the reason I love competitive sports as a fan is because it's something you can have a rooting interest in without anything else that matters going on. Like yeah, I absolutely. can like we can just make a fake rivalry right now over whose sports sports ball team is cooler, and like. <laughs> yeah it doesn't change it doesn't or... matter outside of that. Yes. Yeah. I love that about sports. We can talk shit like we get all the enjoyment of all those things of having a competitive thing has without any of the problems.
0: Oh, I I do the same thing in Age of Sigmar communities by making fun of dwarves. I do it constantly. Oh yeah. Um someone was playing KO right when they got their 15 point or 15% drop in points. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I changed their name in that Discord to Stupid Dwarf Player. (laughs) Um, Stuff like that. Like, I was just giving... He was posting, like, chain-posting KO lists. I'm like, well, your biggest issue is there's way too many dwarves in it. Um, Stuff like that. So, like, I mean, it's... It's the same idea, right? It's it's creating a fake rivalry between elves and dwarves that doesn't really exist in any mind except mine and his. Right. Uh, it, it's still just having fun with
1: it. Right, right. And Kicker says this explains the Blood Bull team name. Yes, mine is the Scream Bay Hackers, uh, is is the name of my Blood Bull team.
0: Yeah, I lost three blitzers in a row in the playoffs last season. Didn't feel like playing my New England Cheatriots anymore. <laughs> That explains the name, too. <laughs> I, so, and that's what it is, right? Like, I, I can acknowledge that, that, that I'll argue with the cheating thing from here until.
1: Because you have to be a homer for a little bit. Yeah.
0: Um, and I don't think they actually. Che- I, it's whatever. Um, but I'm going to lean into it because I think it's funny.
1: And it makes people angry.
0: Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah. Um it, I mean, you had people talking about Foggate or Raingate this year when it started just pouring rain during the last drive for Lamar Jackson in that Ravens Patriots game. It's stuff like that that it's it's hilarious. Like, and there were literally there were commentators after the game. Does Bill Belichick have a rain machine? Like, you're well, just that's funny.
1: That's just great. <laughs> that's just funny. Um, that's entertaining. I I like yeah. the um. I, I don't know. Like I, that's why. Like I, I'm a like a death homer, and like why I, like go super hard in the paint and like oh death is best, and that's what I'm doing there. It's this, it's the same principle, just creating like sort of a uh, this team jokey rivalry. Because again, in all of that, with a, with a fictional universe. Now, yeah, I, I know there are some crazy people out there that can take fiction way too far and do some bad stuff, but that's not the the average reality, the aggregate reality of like harmless banter about games and Nagash is the coolest no Archeon's the coolest right like yeah we just get to have fun with that um so yeah uh, so you had like sort of a pseudo uh familiarity and and you almost might like meeting at the sort of cross-pollinating the different tournaments and stuff and meeting each other almost as like the interview process of having a resume from the the
2: Uh, Yeah,
0: but it's also it's not like there's not just a a singular relationship there, right? It's not just a boss uh, employee employer relationship. It's it's also team chemistry. If you think about the fact that like you're flying halfway across the world with these guys, like they're also going to be guys that you want to have fun with, right? Like you're going you're going out to dinner every night. You're you're spending all day together the entire time. And then you're going out together at night. Like there are people you actually want to hang out with. So that's kind of kind of part of that. As, as well as the whole, like, wanting to know that you're not going to take a, a risk on a boxcar's charge when you don't really need it. Things like that. So as much as it is the the, the gameplay side of it, wanting to be able to trust you on the table, because we are a team, it's also, I want to be able to hang out with you when I'm going to Europe with
1: you. See, I didn't even, in a, in terms of, like, a watching it unfold on Twitter, and, you know, like, oh, this is the team, and... You know, from last year's team and, and <laughs> yeah. the sort of fallout of a little bit of the drama from the from the initial sort of Inception team. I didn't even think about, like, team chemistry as a thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, you just take the, the five best players with the best scores. You know, like, my brain didn't even register. Um, I'm like, just take the best ones. Like, whatever quant- quanti- quantifiable thing you decide as your parameters for who the best are. I didn't think about, you know, having a chat with 10 10 people and then screening it down from there just to see who jives the most and who's going to schedule the yeah. most, uh, get in line. Um, yeah, I don't know.
0: So the, I'd say the biggest thing I would... Um, a lot of people don't consider is it's it's not... You're not necessarily going to ETC to try to win six games every single round, every single time, because that's not necessarily realistic. Well, someone's if got a boost. Yeah, yeah. So, like, <laughs> it, you have to... Um so one you have to be able to throw someone under a bus and not have them mad have any issue like mad or oh, sportsmanship I- issues at the table or like trying to take a risk when they're supposed to just be getting their secondaries and we don't need anything else things like that so you you want you want to know their demeanor at the table um, number 1 and uh, number 2 you also want to know uh play styles um, so there there's this kind of gets more into the ETC high level stuff which is is cool to talk about but like, there's a couple different mindsets. One is um, uh, going in kind of like what uh, Team England did um, that year, where they brought the six best GT lists that they po- could possibly bring. Uh, any of those lists could go to a GT and go four and one, maybe five and zero if they got a little bit lucky. That was kind of the idea behind it. Whereas we brought some lists that weren't necessarily intuitive, but they allowed us to trap people. Um, so that's what we kind of did that year in that meta um we took a look at the meta that year and saw that everything was was very melee based um whether it was keepers of secrets even before they got nerfed uh you had skaven plague monks terror guys you know the the boogeymen in the meta were all melee based and had no real shooting defense so that's where you see us take a a list like free guild because it was a janky shooting army that no one really had insight to and it got an overwatch mechanic to shoot off the chart. You
2: all
1: had a Beast of Chaos army there, too, didn't you?
0: Uh, n- uh, sort of. It was a Zinch army. That was Joe.
1: That's what it was. Um,
0: was it? I think it was Zinch. It was something. That was mostly, like, we had a core where it was it was an 1830 list, which was a fairly meta list at the time. It was 18 Enlightened, 30 Zangors. Um, and then it was getting summoning from there for scoring.
2: So you had a, you had a,
0: a hammer and anvil kind of in those two units, and then your scoring units you could bring in later on. That's nice. um, so that was kind of the idea behind that. Um, but that was kind of the idea we had going into it, is we had two kind of trap lists that were unique that no one is really used to between shoot Cast at the time and, and Free Guild. And uh, both of them had ways to deal with getting charged. Both of them had ways to just deal with a lot of the meta armies at the time.
1: Do you think that... that- and I know hindsight is twenty twenty. Do you think that you were too clever? Do you think you learned a lesson from that? I, I don't want to know what your, your strategy is because I don't want to... USA, USA, we're not ruining your chances going forward with any tech, but... So, I will say the the, the meta is a lot more
0: balanced right now than it was before. Um, whether it's um, armies that can reliably charge at a deep strike, like eels and marauders and things like that... Um, Versus shooting meta, like KO and and bridging dwarves and all that nonsense. Um, so it's a lot more balanced right now. So it, this is more the thought going into 2019 than it was even going into 2020. Um, so going into 2019, we were basically able to trap because uh, the way that process works for, for your viewers that don't really know... Oh, yeah. The, is, uh, do
1: you want to explain... Yeah, they explain the team for me yeah. real quick. So, um, you both
0: have six teams, right? And, I guess uh, we
1: should have started by mentioning what ETC is. Yeah, ETC,
0: <laughs> European Tournaments uh, Tournament uh, Team Championships. Um, uh, basically, in 2019, it was 12 teams from around the world got together. It was really us in Europe. Um, and we just played Age of Sigmar for... A weekend and it was easily the best Age of Sigmar event I've ever been to I uh, never have an experience like it met amazing people all over the world that I still talk to to this day so it was great.
1: Australia's um, in now, woo! <laughs> Australia, New
0: Zealand, Canada, uh, I, I think we're up over 24 teams now. Amazing. So it, it shot way up um, so it, it's going to be even more fun meeting even more people now so it's, that, it's like that's the really
1: Olympics fun. of Age of Sigmar really. Yeah
0: yeah, kind of is, even though it's European instead of world, which, that's 40k drama. Um, but, you know, whatever. Um, anyway, uh, we ended up getting second. Uh, I was unhappy with that, because I wanted us to get first, and that's who I am as a person.
2: I
1: wanted you to get first, too. Uh, USA <laughs> is USA. Let's go. Yeah. Come on. Um,
0: I even put that in my application for 2020. Is uh, I was disappointed with our, our second place finish in, in 2019. Um. So basically, when when you get to the table, there's a, a half an hour pairing phase, um, and Which there, it's kind is
1: of awesome. awesome. Like the yeah. pairing phase is like this totally cerebral. I'll let you explain what it is, but but uh, there's a lot of us out there that think the team format is is kind of just like like peak Warhammer. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it it is the game. So, um, oh, we kind of stepped past the question earlier, but um, so where the where the kind of randomness and strategy is in a normal GT is the randomness or like the preparedness you get around knowing what mission you're going to be playing. Um, What it is in the team uh, format in like ETC style teams is in the pairing process. So this is probably one of the things we worked on more than anything else. Like, as much as we played games, we couldn't really play that much because we were halfway across the country from each other. So we had a couple um, practices in person where we literally just jammed games the entire weekend. And what we were doing a lot online is we were practicing pairings. Um, So basically the way it works is I have six cards. Um, I I place one card face down. The other country places their card face down. We flip them at the same time, and that's a defender list. Now each team gets to choose two attackers that they placed face down on their opponents that are going to be attacking that list. Um, and again, everything's kind of hidden, so you only know what's been face up so far. So you take those two, you choose between those two, which uh, you want to face with your defender. You pick one of them, the other card gets handed back to them. Your opponent does the same thing. So that's how you know matchup number one and number two. Um and you basically keep doing that all the way through until the cards that are left over are what pair against each other. Um,
1: so so you, uh, you can essentially be holding on to like your your money. So you could have like like uh, like that sort of six card can just be like this is the this is the money. This is the home run, right?
2: Or, so it's whatever
1: it's whatever they didn't
0: choose. To defend against in the in the last round of pairings, right? So it's whatever's left over is playing whatever's left over from your last pairing.
1: But you could be holding a card until that that second to last pairing. That's like the secret money card, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where um, where I mentioned trapping someone. Right? Is is them throwing down a defender that has two heart counters that you happen to have in your hand. You throw both heart counters against them, and now they're going to have to choose the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. So that's trapping someone. The other way is just to have six of the best GT lists possible and have everything be a die roll and whoever actually, and hoping that four out of your, your players do a better job than four out of their players, four out of their six players. So it's kind of two different ideas. One is playing more as a team and one is playing more as six individual players that are all just trying to, trying to win their games. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of the, the, there's a few different mentalities. That's two of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other part of that is uh, you go in order of who was chosen for picking tables, which um, missions were static to a table and terrain was static to a table. So, missions like, as in battle
1: or, plans, like literally you could be playing six different battle plans yeah. across the team.
0: Uh, so it was um, each battle plan was played twice across the team three battle plans per round. Okay. And you knew which battle plans were happening round 1, round 2, round 3, round 4, round 5, round 6. Um, so two of your team are going to be playing each of those three battle plans, right? So um and so you know that that first pairing is playing mission number 1. That second pairing is playing mission number 2. That third pairing is playing mission number 3. Um, and so, so then you whoever- could
1: you could try to do your your deal your cards out for the mission as well. So That'd be like a third you, strike. You're
0: absolutely having to do that, right? So if you get a hero scoring mission and uh, all you have left in your hand is, um, I don't know, gloom spike, Git and ko, or fire slayers, maybe. Like you might have a hard time if they have a shooting matchup against you, right? So you knew, like you could kind of tell going into it, and that's some of the planning is knowing which of your opponent's armies are going to have to go into which mission just based on what missions they're good against. Um, so there there was some of that as well. So you're, you're pairing against the mission, you're pairing against the the uh, opponent, which you don't have any knowledge about what they're going to be pairing either. So it's a, it's a big convoluted process that is absolutely amazing, and it's a lot of fun. Uh-huh. Um, that is probably what I had the most fun doing.
1: I love that it's basically cards. You're literally saying this is poker now. You know, like, you're you're playing, it's it's totally like, it's just the bluffing part of poker, which is fantastic. So
0: we ended up, um, uh, we ended up uh, against Team England, for example, we ended up getting our shoot cast against their Bone Splitters list, which that Bone Splitters list beat everybody else in the event. Um, so we figured, we tried to figure out which of our lists was going to actually be able to beat it, and if there was one, and if not, who we were going to throw into the bus to get better matchups everywhere else.
1: This is, this is what, I've also heard people call this the caboose, like the person that you throw into the bus. Throw into the bus, yeah. Um, but we figured out
0: how Byron played that list was he basically just sent a wave across the table, and so when he sent that wave across the table, there was going to be a gap in the middle, so our Stormcast list was going to be able to drop in the middle and just shoot the rest of it off the table. So we ended up trapping that bone splitters list into the last pairing um, by just not choosing it ever. So we, we ended up pushing that all the way to the last pairing, and that's what they were forced to go with because they never wanted that to be a defender list because then we could throw someone under the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's kind of what we did pairing against that. And that's kind of the, the school of thought on how that pairing process goes. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Um, I know ATC was going to that. That's the American Team Championship for everyone out there. Um, that was going to happen in, uh, well, we had Tus- one, Tuscaloosa. We had yeah, one. There, there was one, it was going to be better this year when they moved it up a little bit until it couldn't happen because COVID, yeah. like everything else. Yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately it got pushed back next year, so I don't know that I'll be able to go if ETC is happening. Yeah. We'll so see. we'll, we'll
1: yeah. see. Yeah. Uh, ah. All right, we're gonna to have tournaments. We're gonna to play them. It's gonna be twenty twenty one is gonna be markedly better than twenty twenty, and we'll figure out the logistics in between, right? Um, Everything's gonna be available,
0: and then they're all gonna to be too close to etc. So I can't go to them anyway. So that that's everybody else can have fun.
1: More for me. Wow, yeah, no,
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The um, go ahead. So yeah,
0: that, that was kind of the first year, and then the final process of that is then you. Um, the other part of that thirty minutes is you choose secondaries. Um, so we literally had the table of Games Workshop's agendas, and they matched up perfectly to give each person two secondaries, right? There were 12 of them at mm-hmm. the time. Um, so your team had all 12 agendas, and you just had to get all of them accomplished. So that's basically what I did uh, after I finished pairings, was I went around, and we the way we did it is we kind of had um, secondaries that everyone went into thinking, hey, if I don't hear anything else, these are my secondaries. And then I was going around hot hot swapping them based on like you know uh sam played uh legion against legion's Gash one time he's not going to make guys run away due to bravery so now he's losing that secondary and we're giving it to someone else that can actually score it right. so that's kind of we how we went into that process so that was a lot of fun um it was I, it was just a lot of fun in general and then uh yeah so uh then you just you play your games just like you would any other age of Sigmar game and you you uh, hope your teammates do the right thing as well and win. There's there's yep. some, Go ahead. there's some kind of coaching that's now going to be allowed where you can be like, hey, you don't need to win this game. We're good everywhere else. Just push hard and get your secondaries. Stop them from getting their secondaries. You do a little bit more with that now. Um, your your players are going to be able to ask questions a little bit more, uh, bounce ideas off of off of
1: the coach ca- coaches a little bit more. Yeah.
0: Whereas. Uh, what the first year they weren't really supposed to do that. Coaching was, was a lot more of the... Behind uh the scenes. Yeah, and then also kind of like, if your captain was a playing captain, you were also kind of the go-between between the TOs and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, figuring... I, I did a lot... Of, most of what I did was pairing stuff.
1: The, the joke was that you're the one who gets the beer when you're the coach? Uh, I did that a lot. Um, <laughs> usually, usually that meant,
0: if I didn't have a beer, that meant the player was also buying me a beer. <laughs> so it worked out for me.
1: <laughs> Good. How are beer prices in, in Europe versus America? Well, we
0: were in Serbia, um, so they were dirt cheap. It nice. was the greatest experience ever. Nice. Uh, we taxied everywhere, and I don't think we ever, collectively as a car, ever paid more than $3 for a taxi.
1: <sighs> nice. Is that... It was pretty great. <laughs> um, so I, I guess this question that keeps coming up is like, well, what about the pack? What about the knowing the battle plans? How does that come about? Like, how do you, how do like, is this just is Games Workshop just making the pack for ETC and then like boom, that's what you get? Or how does that come up? Uh, Games Workshop just for the
0: first time acknowledged ETC as an event this uh, past year. Oh. Um. It, it, which is kind of understandable ninth age is an event at ETC um, as a carryover from old Warhammer fantasy battle right. and uh, games workshop kind of made a hardline stance that uh, you know they were not supporting ninth edition nerd ninth age um, for the people that kept doing that so I, I got it um, but yeah they they did acknowledge us this year which was a lot of fun or was really cool to, to see um, but no um, so the pack uh, just like with most other events, right? Like we have a a GHB. Um, we have a GHB to, to do 99% of it. And then the rest of it is voted on by captains. So whether or not, you know, a certain FAQ is going to be in it when the cutoff is, when anything else is going to be happening, that's all voted on by the captains, um, for like one-off things. And then they vote on a final packet, uh, that is going to rule everything at the end of the day. So, I mean, um, 2019 is the best example, just because we actually went through with that event. Um, that event, we decided that because lists were due at the end of May, had to be checked by the end of June, uh, the General's Handbook was going to be coming out mid-June, so somewhere around there. So we weren't going to be able to play with the, the new General's Handbook. So then we had to decide if we were going to play any, any FAQs of it, because Forbidden Power came out a little bit before that, proceeding into that General's Handbook, um so we decided to play with the faqs for forbidden power but not any of the general's handbook rules even though they all released at the same time so that was that was all voted on by the captain's council and and decided on by everyone collectively so there there is no like gotchas or anything like that because theoretically everyone knows the consistent packet going in months and months before before they submit their list um one downfall of that is uh Um, I know there was a lot of talk about, like, playtesters and things like that um, this past year going into ETC. Um, It it really doesn't matter much as long as the Captain's Council is doing what they're supposed to do. Because, um, like, that FAQ for Forbidden Powers, if they had just voted that out, everybody... um, The only thing that the playtesters would have known uh, was what that FAQ said. And that was only if they were privy to what was in that FAQ. Um, so that, that's something that's kind of more reliant on the captain's
2: council than it is on, like, whether or not someone can play with their toys at an event that they want to go to. And he's back just in time. Perfect. Timing. Yeah, yeah. So with the, uh, the sort of like captain's
1: council format, um, you're not. Like beholden to any any singular body, like the the captains are sort of collectively deciding the the format. Essentially, yep,
0: it is a straight up vote on everything.
1: Okay, and so that you got twenty four teams this year. Theoretically, you've got twenty four team captains building a pack together.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could argue the fact that the UK has four teams <laughs> is is them having a little bit more sway based on their meta, but that's about it.
1: Okay, I mean that's. That's fair. Okay, that you know that makes them the home team. They've got the home team advantage. It is called the Euro European something or other. But that's just they're not in
2: Europe
0: anymore.
1: Oh, that's right. (laughs) There's the the hot take of the evening because Brexit. uh, No, I mean they are
0: they are separate countries. They they have different metas. Blah 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 blah. It would just be nice if we could have like two teams. Is really, is really all all it's about.
1: So you want like two USA teams? Do like, you think we're big enough?
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, con- considering like all of the UK is as big as Michigan, I believe. Uh, it, it would be nice. Um, I, but I mean, like, so going into this year, we, we've already been using like TTS and stuff like that more. Um, so we're already able to come together quite a bit more than we have in the past, just using our tools and kind of making up for that that separation.
1: Well, so I've got a so um, this is a lesser known fact about the magical Mister Mephisto here. Um, I was an I was actually the jungling alt for uh, uh, for what is now Curse Academy, and I think they became Team Liquid or whatever for League of Legends. Um, So my whole thing was to. Have a pipe dream that one day I might make the actual team, but really it just meant I, I jobbed to them in scrims and stuff when we didn't want to tip off our tech going into like the real the real tournaments uh, for League of Legends. Um, with TTS, your ability to scrim is like you've got it now. You can actually have like scrimmages against your own team, uh, you know, like teammates and, and, and practice that stuff. Do you do that?
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Literally constantly. Um, there's. There is some. There's two people playing right now. Um, that I mean, and Discord is awesome for that because you know we can watch games, we can do all sorts of different different stuff as well. Um, so that's been fantastic. TTS has been fantastic. Um, kind of what you mentioned. I mean, we have that group of ten people that are relatively trusted too, right? So like, we can kind of keep some things hidden by not playing them at events and and just kind of play test games against people that we know.
1: Yeah, keep keep the low key. Tech, you know, keep that that yep. tech on. Yeah. Do you ever scrim across the pond? Do you ever try to like set up TTS scrims against uh rival teams or or maybe you've got some super espionage scouts that are in the UK playing do you ever do anything like no. that?
0: No, no, that that's uh that's way too much effort okay. for uh for this especially anything else. Um no, uh uh we, we had already talked about having... So that's actually something that the 40K UTC team does, uh, or now WTC team, is uh, they actually usually go out a week early and go to Sweden. And they just practice... They, they just do reps with the Swedish team. Because then it's not people who have discussed and known the ins and outs of every army. So you're not getting a, a tapered view of like what you might see. You're getting someone who has fresh... Oh, fresh perspective,
1: yeah, 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 exactly.
0: And it, it's someone that like they're all friends of the team. I again, we spent a lot of time with the 40k Team US uh, team, so I know a bunch of the Swedish guys now. Like that, that's just kind of how it
2: worked.
1: Yeah, so so it, it was really cool. So what ended up happening is is around the time I was playing, uh, T- TSM was like kind of the fan favorite. I don't know that much has changed. Uh, I, I haven't followed League of Legends in a while, but when I was a uh, when I was an alternate on Curse. Um, with Yin Dragoon and some other folks, um, they uh, we would team up with some of the other underdog teams to scrum each other to try to like get better at beating the best team. <laughs> Dude, you gotta you gotta set that up, man. You gotta do like Australia. They they're the Galapagos meta. If you're ever gonna get a different perspective on the game of Age of Sigmar, you gotta you gotta talk to some of them. I mean,
0: that, that is one of the coolest things about etc. Is the fact that like you can look at at um, uh, CanCon for example and be like I don't know how the how the hell that would win in our meta whatsoever? I think a corn dragon got like second at CanCon two years ago. Like I don't that remember. would never happen in the U.S. But it's it's just how the meta flushes out. I yeah, mean, I mean, mean average, yeah, you can look. They play on average more destruction than any other real big meta uh, anywhere. Things like well, that. So I mean,
1: I, I have a. I have a theory on this, if you if you if you'd allow. Yeah, go for it. Um, or a hypothesis. It, we have to test it before it becomes a theory. Um, my hypothesis is is simply that with their distribution being weird and kind of throttled in some respects, they're forced to play with what they have a lot more than go out and get the new hotness, and it forces innovation on like that sort of uh, in that pool of stuff. So so like, whilst yeah, they're looking at their local metas. Their local metas are more spread out than even ours. We have a big landmass too, but theirs are there's are yet also spread out. But then it means yep. that because they have that sort of the distribution side of things that kinda of mess with stuff, plus their own proclivities and their own natural leanings. They're they're forced to innovate with what they have a little bit more. And so you end up with some like just some really cool stuff uh in, in Australia. And I, I it's yep. one of those metas that I love to look at because my I love puzzles and I look at it and I go huh (laughs) you know like and i just uh you know but yeah yeah so that's but
0: but that's one of the great things about etc right is it's it's bringing all those different metas together Mm -hmm. um so not not only are you playing against the theoretically the best players of any any of those countries um or at least the best team that they could come up with in whatever their way was but you're also playing against what their Either they think is good against your meta, or what their meta is. So like you're you're playing that weird kind of gray area between everything, uh, where it's nothing like your meta at all.
1: I, I know this is this is a uh, I'm a uh, American podcaster here, um, but I do think that like we tend to think of the UK meta as the default meta a little bit. Uh, just the we the global Age of Sigmar community. A lot of our content creators, uh, you know, you got Vince Venturella is like one of our big... probably our biggest American one. Um maybe you' got like doug two plus tough but he doesn't do competitive stuff and you got like you know we've got a bunch of like American youtubers but in terms of like actual competitive coverage we don't have a ton uh here uh we got a bunch of podcasts it really is the United States of podcasting too like we just have a bunch of separate but but you have you know guys like Ian and Richie with just play you have Rob and you know they're it is a small area, but there's so much Warhammer going on because they're so close to the source. It starts to feel like that's sort of the default setting, you know. Of course, in Australia, you got Doom and Darkness, you got the Measure Wargaming blokes, you got uh, AOS Coach. So you, you've got like a really good. You've got Dan uh, AOS Shorts, who's you know got a really good handle on on not just uh, New Zealand and Australia, but also kind of a global approach. You know, like we all ha- kind of have our like regional eyes out on the stuff but it really feels like a lot of the sort of focused competitive commentary comes from comes from europe and it yeah, starts to feel I like mean, they're they're the default setting
0: like you said it's a, a lot of the a lot of it is the the biggest names in in that space right because you do have you have dan uh aos shorts uh down in uh i believe he's in new zealand, he new right?
1: zealand. he's New Zealand. yeah
0: um so you have him down there but he covers the entire world like, it, so he's the source, and so his font of knowledge is going to come from that area. But he covers the entire world, which is fantastic. Hmm. So my go-to when I'm looking for event results is often a New Zealand website, or a guy that's that's writing a website out of New Zealand. Or, you know, it, you see Rob all over the place with, with Honest game. Rob's got good like coverage. He's,
1: his reach is undeniable. Like Yeah, he so I, him, he, I mean... He works. He, he's, he's very hardworking. Uh, what he does. I think
0: at, at at a certain point, it just takes someone who's that dedicated in the U.S. to actually pick up those reins if they actually want to. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we can, we get a lot of our coverage from just those two guys, and like Rob has come over for multiple U.S. events.
1: Yeah, so like he's, he's come
0: a- to to hang out with us over here as well. So mm-hmm. like that, it's one of those things where I don't necessarily know that we need one. Um, as far as the U.K. meta, I think it's I think it's kind of funny because it's been a running joke for a long time. Um, not necessarily, I don't, I've never heard it in the AOS space, but the 40k guys the the UK has said for years and years that the U S meta was six months behind. Um, which has always been really funny because when prominent U S players go over to the UK, they just destroy in that area. So the U S joke is that the UK is actually six months behind there. The meta is just circular. So they haven't quite come around back to where we are yet. <laughs> um, so I don't know how much of it is a similar idea in that space, but, um, I, I mean, I, I, feel like our U S meta and the UK meta is a lot closer than like the U S meta and the, the Australian meta or anything like that. And I think it's a lot of the communication between the guys. I, I mean, I've talked to Les Martin multiple times about, especially when like cities of Sigmar came out, we were talking a bunch, uh, same with Tom Motsley. Um, so like there is that communication structure. Uh, also, the U.S. playtesters and the U.K. playtesters are uh, really close. Like, they talk a lot um, across the pond that way, too. So that kind of bridges those communities a, a little bit as well, since not all of our playtesters are in the Midwest, but a considerable
1: portion. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> our bad. <laughs> <laughs> not your fault. No, no, I'm, I'm going to I'll take the blame for this one, GW. I'm, I'm your fault, <laughs> Um, it's it's me. Nobody on the internet with a podcast that gets uh, ninety views. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all but like eighty of them are Games Workshop staff. Is really yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah ten of them. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I mean, so I mean, I, I think that that kind of takes out one of the questions I was going to ask you. You already answered that 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 pretty pretty thoroughly, and you also kind of talked about like you know team comp and 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 having a a good rapport uh uh, built there so that's that's all really cool um the thing we were kind of talking about i don't know if it was the cold opener before we went live was actually kind of a, a lack of social media presence um and there's clearly communication going on between obviously like you know the competition a little bit Obviously, the playtesters have their own, like, groups that they do their NDA stuff, um, uh, like, amongst each other. Um, so, social media, in terms of, like, we, we talked about professional sports before. I mean, come on. Like, sports tries to be very, very visible in terms of, like, uh, the U.S. model, certainly, for, like, NBA. All of our our big three, right? They try to be super visible, so, super social. Our ETC team um, isn't, like, hyper-visible, um, you know, you've got a you've got an account. Uh, Bill's got an account, and I think that's uh, both Jake and Sean have accounts. Um, yep. And and then like, uh, Jeremy has
0: one too. Like it, it's twenty nineteen. We were we were relatively closed off, and and that was a lot of the pushback that we got. Right was that like Sam Gould was was unknown. Sam Gould doesn't even have a Facebook account. He doesn't have a Twitter. He doesn't have any of that, and so nobody knows who he, who. He, he was, and in all honesty, he didn't play in that many ITC events either. Yeah, so, like, we thought, he didn't have rankings from there. from our
1: outside perspective, oh, some 40k guy, right? Like, that's yeah. that's what like, that's what we're oh, some oh, cool. Like, Age of Sigmar is becoming 40k, which I don't know, you dear viewer, if you've picked up on this because we've talked a bunch about 40k, but Age of Sigmar purists are kind of they don't want to become like 40k. This is a this is we're afraid. We were f- yeah, <laughs> <We'd-> <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and,
0: and so well. So it's it's really it, going off of that. It's really funny when people like uh, Alan Pajama Pants, who is notorious as much in the forty k community as he is uh, well known, um, comes over, uh, and mostly like so. He was on that team that year, right? Because he, he Bill knew him pretty well. He had been to multiple forty uh, k etc events. So he knew that entire process, the pairing process. So he was our kind of knowledge base on that. And then he's also one of the best movement players that I've ever seen, Uh, being able to pick up just, like, whatever he wants, uh, as long as he knows what his opponent does, which I did that a lot of the time when I was coaching, A little little bit of the
1: chess thing, a little bit of the the moves, counter moves, and knowing where, yeah, this is, 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 it's hard to teach this. This this, this,
0: this is what your opponent's list does. Um, Here are some ideas for how to counter it, and then just let him go. And He's that kind of player where he will just like he just he just wins. That's what it that's what it is So like that bone split list with Byron that we were talking about earlier We kind of talked about it beforehand and we ran through a quick uh, like Is this gonna work type of deal and so we I showed him what the list does how it functions And then he kind of just came out with a plan from there and went on and and tabled Byron um, So he's kind of he's that player and so yeah, it, and there there was that. So there was that pushback for Allen was that he was a forty k player, and then if you look at Allen, he went to Michigan GT. He only lost to Bill. Uh, he went to SoCal Open. Uh, I lost to him there. He ended up winning the event. Uh, I lost to him in the set, in the finals. Um, so you know he went one and two at his first two big events. And then this he was, ended this up. This was going, the
1: priority role. You were a priority role. It could have went either way. That was uh, no.
0: This was a different game. This was a. This was two years ago. Uh, this was before the the 2019 etc. Right? Um, so like, yeah, that was Alan's go. Alan literally played in three Age of Sigma events. He was just a very good player. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that LVO, he went top eight um, with, I want to say it was sixty Grim Gas Reapers, uh, Arcan and Toys, something like that. Um, yeah
1: kind of a relatively cookie cutter l o n
0: yeah like as here's your rules they're relatively average they' you have summonable units uh, just play your army how it needs to be done and and win objectives and that's what he did at LBO. and that kind of shows you know that like it if you're if you know how to play to the objectives you can really pick up anything and just kind of go
1: there's also a little bit of a like, a sort of exponential factor when you play enough armies, you pick up the next army yeah. quicker and quicker, so, like...
0: Yeah, absolutely, and, but, I mean, that's what I mean, is, like, the 40k experience was transferable. It wasn't like it was, oh, no, he's coming in as, a, as an AOS virgin, he's never gonna be able to win a game. He he literally went in, went second, first, and then top-8 at LDO. I,
1: I try not to admit it, but I came over from... My, my Warhammer Fantasy Battle play was against the same fourth people over yeah. and over and over again uh, I got my uh, I've heard this said to me a couple times and it just pisses me off every time I hear it, it's like you have picked up this game real quick uh, it, B- Blood Bowl in Blood Bowl we were sitting in there like, and like uh, and and Frank, who I love you to death buddy but he's like man I'm so surprised at how quick you're picking up this game and I'm like I have played war games my whole life <laughs> war I mean look at my-
0: Mike didn't play a game of Blood Bowl until that, or he played one before. The oh, yeah. last season he ended up winning it. Yeah, he won it's it like, all. Yeah, it's, there's statistics. There's blocking out areas of the field. There's Unders- like those are transferable skills.
1: Uh, understanding zone, essentially zone zoning. Yeah, with your coverage, pieces yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, and then
0: it's just learning the fine fine points the throughout minutia. there. And you've lost one game the old the entire season. It was to Kyle, I think.
1: Yeah, he lost to Kyle. He did lose to me this season. I uh, I kicked the shit out of him I
0: heard last season. But yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I watched that game. He he had several injuries in one death. Boom. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so Sa- Sam Gould, no no visibility, but he's he's been buddies with Bill since Bill was in Boston, um, and Bill just knew him as a as a really. Um, he is an exacting player. And so he he's a player that will move exactly the right way at exactly the right time, force you to make a mistake, and then take advantage of the mistake. And that's... He, he literally won uh, Adepticon, what, four months after we announced the team, uh, with old Seraphon that everyone said was really bad. And it was literally just off a skink movement. Because mm-hmm. he was able to exploit people screwing up. And that's all it was. So, it, it, you know, it... There is something to be said about lack of visibility. Um,
1: I I think it's an important point, which is why I bring it up. Because um, yeah. now I, I look at this, I look at this, etc. roster going in, and I recognize pretty much every name on the list, um, minus like I think the, one one gentleman. I'm like uh, I'm not quite. I know Jeremy. I know obviously Sean and Jake. I know you. I know Bill. Um, I feel like I'm. For, who am I forgetting? Uh,
0: that's probably who. Uh, did you say Jeremy? okay that's probably who you know and then the our coach this year is mike vaginas um, that's
1: the Mike you've referenced yeah
0: yep yeah. so that's who i've known for three or four years now who really got me into the competitive scene it, mm-hmm. it, if you give him credit for anything it was, it was that yeah um yeah. and then uh the last one is anthony lawrence, anthony lawrence um who yeah. this is, is this is
1: the one uh, i don't recognize the, the anthony's yeah
0: one. so he's up in the boston area uh same thing like I feel like social media is one of those things that unless you are trying to promote, like, a podcast like Jeremy is or, or like, I don't know. I, I think people get into their veins of communication and then just kind of stay there rather than expanding out. Um, like we talked about before the show, I still don't really do anything on Twitter. I if Follow me if you want to know ETC News. That's really about it. Um, oh, I, guess, I, I, I just
2: want
1: to talk shit to you about Blood Bowl.
0: Uh, that's fine, too. I... I <laughs> I retweet Bill and the UK team and anything else ETC related. That's really about all I do just because like, I, I have Discord to talk to people. I have Facebook Messenger. I have all sorts of other things yeah. that I'm already using. Um, we were using Slack a ton just because people were already using it for work and it was actually an application that they could access on work computers.
2: So-
1: um, I, I don't want to uh, bury the lead too much on this I'm not criticizing like the lack of visibility of like previous players um, I'm I'm actually more curious about the role of like social media in terms of how we consume our game now and yeah. ETC it feels like one it should be one of our biggest events that's the most talked about but then on the flip side I feel like we, we kind of don't
0: yeah no I, I think that's absolutely true um, I, I... Because one of the things we've been relying on, especially in the U.S., is GW coverage. Right? That's one of the downsides to not having a Rob, not having a Dan, not having someone like that. Is our our LVO coverage? Our our LVO coverage is either ITC or Games Workshop. Our Adaptive Gun coverage is Games Workshop. Our uh, Nova coverage is Games Workshop. Um, hold on.
1: No, no, you're fine. Um, oh, so Gil got all the work done. <laughs> um, so that that's kind of we need we would need someone that could
0: go to ETC since like like I said before, uh, Games Workshop wasn't really uh, wasn't really supporting the event. Now they might in the future, who knows? Like maybe they'll send a camera crew now, but like there was no ad event coverage as much as anything else. So like I, I feel like that's why no one really got like a cult following behind it. No one was really watching games while we were playing them. There was just like a, Dan from AOS said, "Hey, here's everybody's lists," and then at the end, it was "Hey, here's the results," and that was really about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just again, it's it feels like it's um, it's it's a it just feels like there's there were there's not enough nearly enough social media. Like I I remember going, I remember Six Nations feeling like it was more way more covered than than ETC um, in that same year year span around when AOS uh aos 2.0 came out and went it went six nat and then next it was uh sort of in the calendar next up was yeah. and i'm just like and, go ahead and i
0: remember that 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 six nations that year was the first time i had even really heard about six nations and a lot of the coverage was hey we're gonna bring all the broken stuff oh, yeah. that games refused to fix yeah and that's why and that i feel like that's why i got a lot of coverage was because uh, a lot of people were unhappy about some of the things in that general's handbook or the two or whatever. I don't even remember. yeah, General's I don't even remember. Whatever. Yeah. I think it was General's handbook. And no it was two That's it what was it was 2.0. was 2.0. Uh, it came, right
1: out, 2.0 and there was... came out
0: yeah. yep. and that's when like, you know, command
1: abilities, like... Yeah
0: Sack Command abilities, all that shit. It was like all right, if games workshop refuses to do this, we're just gonna abuse the hell out of it Oh, the, the
1: whole community agreed. They're like, uh, we think all this stuff is broken. a And then they're they're like, we think all this stuff is broken. No one changed any of it. And they're like, all right, we're taking it all to the next major tournament. And then like, and the whole, like, it was like the joke. And I remember there was that moment on the internet where, you know, people, you know, like me and Heywo was like kind of my direct circle of like puzzle brains where we're just like, like, there's all this stuff is going to be busted. And we got the joke. But I remember serious debates on the internet of, like, look at all these people taking the most broken, disgusting stuff. This isn't my age of Sigmar. And I'm like, you know <laughs> that, that's what they're doing, right? They're trying to fix it. That's <laughs> what they're doing
0: right now. So, like, as much as people give, like, uh, the UK, uh, Team England shit for, uh, for having a bunch of playtesters, like, they were a driving force behind that because they were a bunch of the people that were they said it
2: was beforehand. yeah. yeah. They're, beforehand, they're like,
0: this is what needs to be fixed. Okay, it didn't get fixed all right, guys, hey, we tried to get this fixed. This is what we're going to bring to uh, to Six Nations. And they, like, revealed their list way beforehand yeah. just to be like, Hey, this is what we're bringing. They refuse to fix any of it, and so that's kind of
1: the. And then everyone just one up to each other, and that they... like yeah. that was it was like the most like power to the people, rao rao, fight the power moment in Age of Sigmar I've ever seen. It was gr- it was awesome. just re-
0: actually, I remember you had one uh, matchup that was literally two Nagashes <laughs> trying to uh, <laughs> hand across each other through their own spell portal. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, and that's that's what that event was. It was a giant cluster. And it was because, like, hey, all right, if you're not going to fix things, we're gonna. This is how we get you to fix things. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think that's what uh, that kind of happened with Zinch too, right? Like, you had a lot of big name people um, just lean into Zinch, where they're like, all right, if you're not going to fix Flamers, we're just going to lean into them. And then Games Workshop's like, fine, all right, we're going to raise their cost by twenty points. Um, and and, same and cut Destiny your teleports in half.
1: Yeah, cut, yeah. Yeah, and
0: cut your teleports now. It's like, alright, if you're not gonna fix this, I'm gonna abuse it in your face but until you fix it.
1: Yeah. I mean that that's I mean that's that's part of I mean that I mean that feels like the Slanash kind of felt a little bit like that too, where like the depravity thing, they're like uh really okay then.
0: Just... I love how that lasted like eight months and then also before it got fixed, got even worse with the Celeste Coast. That was the best part. And also from uh, people I've talked to, uh, and hearing how bad it was in playtesting, uh, just some of the things that were that were bad in playtesting that did get fixed because it was worse than what actually got released. Um, that those are the fun conversations. Like what what didn't get through to live releases is sometimes the the most like jaw dropping. Like wait, they thought that was going to be okay, um, and that's kind of the fun conversation. Well, I
1: I think uh, we've had. I um, I, don't, I don't know who framed the argument that playtesters are the problem that began. I'm like, playtesters are QC. They're on the back end. They're not the ones designing it, and they're not making the final calls. This is always... They also don't, they don't see the final
0: cut, either. That's the other thing that like it doesn't have a lot of visibility. Is If, if I was a playtester, I would not put it out publicly, because you will just get burned constantly. Um, but they don't see the final cut. Things change from what they see in playtesting to what gets published. All
1: the time. Is that, how, is, that how, uh, is that how TK got killed, Tomb King, Tr- Tristan? Uh, 40% of the players at the UK Masters took TK, because they're like, this needs to be changed. And then... uh, no,
0: Tomb Kings got taken away
1: because they had giant
0: hands that looked like monkey hands, and they just needed to go away. <laughs> oh, no.
1: <laughs> I'm ready for 60 liberators in GW's face. Oh, man, I, uh... That army, uh the 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 battalion just needs to just get jettisoned from the game. It's not meant to be played at 2K. But here we are. Um. Yeah, that was that was some shade. The hands that was <laughs> that was. Uh, yeah, that was, that was that was that take was so spicy. I just had to like move on to the next thing. <laughs> even, I'm sorry, Tristan. Um, I it's it's a copyright thing. They, they can I mean, copy. half the scaven
0: things are the same way. They have giant hands. So
1: yeah, that's why Ashen sucks. They just
0: yeah. Yeah, actually, they nerf half the Skaven book and then don't give the better rules to things that just suck in the Skaven book. That's basically how Skaven live.
1: Yeah, Petrifex Elite uh, ruined any meaningful discussion we'll ever have about Osiarch Bone Reapers. Like, Ivory Host just sitting over there like, yo, we suck. And actually, <laughs> most of our sub-factions suck. I know everyone is holding out for Null Myriad to be good if we just get two more broken spellcasting armies. But think about the criteria you've set up. For the game and its health. If we have two more. Busted spellcasting armies. It's worth playing Null Myriad. So just like rewind it. So we want. We got like four spellcasting armies right now. That are kind of like pushing the boundaries. Of what this game should do. And you're like you want two more of those. So that six armies. Are that gross. And that's an excuse to justify one of your sub. Come on now. Null Myriad. Ah. I'm sorry, No Myriad. You ain't good. I would rather you you do some sp- command ability, ignore spell effects, and then their core ability is they have a better shrug. Done. Fixed.
0: What What if we just compromise and just make Sylvaneth casting great again?
1: Yeah. 100%. I'm for that. No, <laughs> I, my friend Sam, I want him to be happy. He's one of my favorite people in the entire universe, and I've been to other other dimensions in this universe. Uh that's why I'm called the Magical Mister <laughs> Mephisto, um, and I want him to be happy again with his Sylvaneth army. Um, so, Jill here, here in chat, like, there's no reason Sylvaneth, which is one of the most new player grabbing armies in the entire game. It is one of the hobby darling armies of our entire game. It you gotta at least be in that like in that, like, booying in the fat middle type army. You gotta be there. I don't want them to be a 4 type army. Just, but you gotta be, like, I, I show up and I play it even remotely well, 3-2, and two. boom. I catch a little bit of heat, you know, like, I, I, my dice run hot, 4-1. and one. I get all the luck in the world, I get good pairings, like, maybe you can run it back 5-0, and oh, but, like, you gotta at least buoy in 3-2. and two. And they're not there. <laughs> no they,
0: they they have to they have to take some risks and put in some effort to, to do well and um, which is mind-blowing to me because like it, the these are some of the things that i don't understand is that the community acknowledge, the community acknowledged Sylvaneth is worse than probably it actually is um it just has that stigma of like being garbage and i mean kernel hunters just on paper are a statistically good unit it's just that's the only unit in that book that's good, and Durthu. Um, and you don't have any of the pieces and the functionality that you need other than teleporting to, to make a well well rounded book. And but like, all they did in the General's Handbook is drop points on Kurnoth Hunters. Like, you made the thing that people were already taking just cost less, but not cost enough less to actually matter.
1: And to get an- you can't get a full extra unit of them.
0: No, not at all. Like-, uh, like at most, I think. My list dropped, what, 40 points? So I think I can take an extra Endless spell if I want to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, I mean, they're not absolutely not as bad as as people think. Uh, but they are the squeaky wheel right now. And Games Workshop always listens to the squeaky wheel. Yeah. Say what Wait, you will about like no. Petrifex Elite, but Evocators were not a problem in the game of Age of Sigmar with Gabrielle Sherhart. I never lost to that crap. I don't know I any... Sher-Hard. I don't know any single... Yeah, Command Point Stacking is a... is a Command Point Stacking is a problem of the game, not of specifically Gavriel. Anytime that something gets to Command Point Stack, it pushes the boundaries of what should be allowed in the game of Age of Sigmar. Usually they throttle through other mechanisms, but we were just talking about Six Nations Tournament. They had to go through, and that was when we had the Pink Arata go through and tell every, almost, the vast majority of units that they can't stack their Command Abilities. The exceptions were left in. I'm like, what if you just flip that, flip the script, and be like, nobody gets to stack command points unless we say otherwise. Save yourself a lot of pink text. But that's not what they did. I, I'm still a little bit salty about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the point is, is like, it's weird because it feels like they go backwards into like fixing some of these these broken mechanisms, and they try to like fix everything around it. Um, sometimes, and with Sylvaneth, it's like. I've watched you fix the squeaky wheel a thousand times when it's not the broken wheel. And so yeah. even if Sylvaneth aren't as bad as people think, they're one of the most maligned armies right now, so they clearly need attention. Say what yeah, you...
0: absolutely. Like, Vista are the quiet version of that, basically. Because so the like, player base is smaller. Yeah, the player base is smaller. They're They're not really making a ton of noise, so you expect them not to get touched. The fact that Sylvanath literally had Kurnoth Hunters drop 10 points, and that was the only change in the entire Journal's Handbook, was mind-blowing.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, I I agree. I've watched you make worse changes. I've watched you make bigger changes for worse reasons because people were loud.
0: They literally dropped KO 10 to 15% across the board. Why?
1: It's Fire Slayer's all over again. (laughs) Fire Slayer's all over again. I remember when they changed Fire Slayer's. I'm on record in several of my own podcasts going, this is a mistake. <laughs> They're already low-key one of the, the most obnoxious armies. People just aren't building them out, right. And their points changes forced you to build them right. And that was yeah. the great rub. And then they gave you extra points on top of it. Well, the, the funny part about that was
0: it was more the change in cap from 30 to 20, 20 allowed versus- you to, like, like, you could have brought two 20-man squads already before that happened. But, like, it was only 40 points to get, like, 10 more or whatever. Like, it was nothing to get to their max unit bonus. And and so you had to, like, it, it would just eat at my soul efficiency-wise to, like...
2: But it was wrong.
0: I'm only getting 10 more, but, like, it's two units. Like, I understand that. But, like, I could get, like, 10 less and have it be way cheaper. I know. And and that's what it was. They cap it at twenty. They they fix their cost, and then people are like, "Oh, this is way better now because I'm bringing two squads of twenty, and now they can be in two places." I should
1: have always been bringing two squads of twenty. <laughs> <laughs> like, like yes, yes, you should. And one of them fucking teleports. Come on, like yeah. Oh my god, that that was one of those. That was
0: really fun. That was that was really funny. Uh, and then they do the opposite. Like it, it seems like they just don't think about externalities sometimes, because then they do the opposite with uh, uh, Scryer Acolytes. Because you wanted that bonus because that was what was giving you your plus one to wound, and they took that away by capping them lower. So literally one dies and you lose all your unit bonuses. Mm-hmm. Like like all right, cool. Mm-hmm. Now now you're useless when one Scryer Acolyte dies. Yeah. Or anybody gets within an inch of them.
1: I mean, they... they... That was nipping it in the bud because we were about to see the Acolyte builds come out and it was a problem.
0: (laughs) I'd be surprised just because I don't believe that that many people would want to buy, like, 60 metal models and paint them and play with them and transport them.
1: you just cast it. You just Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I I have five that are uh, very clearly... uh, not metal, resin. resin, and not metal. Yeah, they but, look really
1: good. Yeah, you can, but it's almost like when you pick it up, you just there's like a feel to it that lets you know. <laughs> <then>. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't put
0: it in a sock and hit somebody with it. That's the that's the difference in feel.
1: That's the difference. Yeah. All right, um, man. I I feel like we we've we've really we covered a great stuff. We got some good tangents here at the end, which is what makes a great rant cast for me, is just having a wonderful conversation. Staying mostly on topic, but not allowing it to constrain us from going off script a little bit. I have enjoyed this show very much. Time for Dad to go to bed. Um, (laughs) Good night, Tomb King. Tristan. That's why you kitbash them using clan rats. Yeah, exactly. You just... There's so much... uh... Yeah. Uh,
0: what I was actually doing was plague monks with uh, the heads from uh, the plague catapults because I never used the gas mask heads. Um, so you could you could do that. That's what I did.
1: There you go. Um, so any 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 last uh, soapbox moments? Any thoughts you need to get off your chest, my friend? No, I think
0: I, I pissed off enough people in the chat, but with the tomb king comment, I think I I think I did my job.
1: I mean, you pissed off Tomb King Tristan, but he's, yeah, he he counts for three hundred percent of chat. Uh, so he,
0: he also forgot that we played uh, Blood Bowl together, so I think he deserved it.
1: I think he was trolling you. He just yellow carded oh, okay. you. You're getting yellow carded right now. <laughs> <laughs> Tristan, I love you, man. Um, <laughs> also, one of my favorite people in the world, so uh night, tomb dad and yeah so so we we've pissed off tristan uh tristan adequately we've talked about play testers which is something i tend not to do on my show because i feel like the that market's cornered by other other podcasts i don't need to do that um <laughs> and we talked etc uh competitive play and a little bit of hobby too so not so much narrative tonight we gotta we gotta come back around to that sometime um do the narrative podcast with uh, with, with, Greg uh, from Colorado. Uh,
0: I mean, that just consists of Marathi is the best, and it's a good thing that she's got now.
1: Can we talk about how Nagash should go down 180 points and or have a War Scroll change? I actually am cool with him being 900 points, but then he needs to be worth 900 points again. I guess what I'm saying is he needs to have the Petrifax Elite bonuses on his War Scroll. Well, so I
0: think the biggest issue with him is you got you got well you got Eighth Edition syndrome because like like we were talking about earlier with Eighth Edition like they weren't expecting Soup and then everybody brought Soup. Well, now Nagash has play in a bunch of different armies. Grand Grand Alliance Death. Whatever. We'll put that as a in parentheses. And then you've got leaders of Nagash and then OBR. So now you have to be able to balance him between two different books. And he's not. Both point-wise and rule-wise. And right now he's just bad.
1: He's just bad in both books, though, is the problem. Yeah. Before, I took it, when he they upped his cost to 880, and I'm like, why are you upping him in Legion of Gosh? And then OBR came out a little bit later. I'm like, oh, this is future-proofing. Yeah, he makes, it makes sense, because he's YOLO. And, so- it, and it made sense when he was a
0: 2-up re-rolling one save for for yep. one RDP that, in the OBR book yep. and also still had the entire spell lore from the realm made that sense. you were playing in and all of that. That point cost made sense. Then they took away realm spells. Then they took away Petrifex Elite. Then like it, it so like he obviously had a point cost. There is absolutely no reason that he has eighty points more than Archeon. <laughs> zero, zero reason. Archeon has more durability, he has more buff potential between different keywords. Uh, he has about the same movement, basically the same defense, except for you can push his defense higher now because you can get plus ones to save, whereas Nagash can't. And then, uh, honestly, he has better access to spells because the head can head can eat spells if you kill wizards with it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a kicker, that's a can of worms, though, is is making is, is making a, things cost different points in different books. I, I don't know if that's a thing, games. I don't know if that's a can of worms. Games Workshop is ready to open. I thought they were setting themselves up for it when I saw Beast of Chaos have different war scrolls. So you had like, uh, you know, Beast. Uh, you had Gores of Slanash or whatever. When they they uh, they changed it to where their war scrolls changed to be what keyword they were on. I'm like, oh, this means they're going to cost more points in the different stuff. Never happened. I don't think that's that's a mechanism or a lever they're ready to pull.
0: Yeah, so I thought they were... I thought I saw the problem originally the second we had Reapers and Legions in the Gash. I got the change. It was in the starter set. They wanted you to buy the fun new toys and still be able to play with your old toys. Mm -hmm. Made sense. They were way more abusable in Legions in the Gash than they were in Nighthawn, though. Um, I thought that we had gotten the change when Beasts of Chaos came out and Enlightened had different rules in both books, and Zangor's had different rules in both books. Obviously, one had, like, a lot more magic presence in the book, so this rule makes more sense for them. Like the plus attack, they cover that 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 bonus better, and then only getting the plus one to attack for every nine models in the Beast of Chaos book that already can pump out attacks uh, from other units that are in the book. So I thought they were doing it with that, and then they ended up just saying, "Oh no, this is a universal change." Yeah. So I, I don't know. I they could keep things separate and have things cost different amounts or have different rules in different books. They just choose not to.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i thought we were about to get that and then we just never did so so i don't know at least
0: he... honestly i don't i don't know that i'd want to know have to remember two different war scrolls for the same model or something like Nagash. Enlighten. it's a little different because you might not play him in both Nagash, i think is it, that big centerpiece model it doesn't really make sense for
1: but that's where like the the allegiance abilities he, Nagash doesn't know all of this all the spells
0: like that, he should be able to pick a lore
1: and know all the spells in yeah. that lore. Yeah. Yeah, the Legion of the gosh, gosh book. Pick. Yeah, it should just say that in the in the lore spells yeah. it says if you have why don't they do that? That should just as soon as they did it for Ossiarch bone reapers, they should have just errated the legions in a gosh book. Now it's it, I feel like the the wheels turned we're kind of far past nitpicking on this. We're just waiting for either a new LON book to exist, a new the whatever the vampire thing is or for LON to just kind of disappear.
0: Yep. Yeah, we'll oh, see. I don't think LON will ever disappear, because...
1: cities a city more tight.
0: Yeah, exactly. It'll be more like that. Which, I mean, it kind of already is, because, I mean, it's seven, five, six different allegiances Six. six. It's
1: six armies. Like, yeah. six, quote-unquote, yeah, six armies. Yeah. We we didn't figure, the, the sub-faction, like, mechanism, we hadn't figured that out yet. So, like, yep. cities, they need to retool it to be more like cities, where it's six different, you know, sub-factions rather than six different armies.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. I don't play them as much and don't see them as much, obviously. But it, they already kind of work that way, don't they? Other than the leadership mechanic. Because, like, you can't have, you obviously can't have Nagash in them, which makes it different than OBR, because he can be in all of them, even though he really shouldn't be.
1: It's unnecessarily uh, restrictive, Is is my problem with it yeah but it
0: like I I don't think that you should be able to have uh, for example Arcan lead uh legions of blood army because why would they be following Arcan instead of Neferata? that that kind of thing is my issue
1: but but they put that at the forefront and be like you can't have this you could just as that could just as easily, do it, though. yeah that could just as easily be a sub faction to too
0: yeah but that's what I mean is it it's already kind of okay. that's that's kind of what it is other than the fact that they get all different relics all different.
1: Which feels yeah, right. way too granular for me like, it's like is this I mean it's a ton of options yeah, I but I mean I mean I, Cities of Sigmar is the same way though but they streamlined it and they don't really lock yeah. anything out you just you don't lock anything away you unlock stuff if you follow the rules and that's I think the better way to build you want to enable people to make the right decisions you don't want to say you can't make that decision is the difference but you, don't, you
0: don't really lock anything other than general and having Nagash in the army in that. Like, Nagash is the one thing that I guess you could FAQ and change, but that's the only one that really is locked away in only the Grand Alliance, Legion of Nagash.
1: Yeah, I, I just feel for cleanliness. I just want it to be one army that we're tracking instead of six. Yeah, I mean, it, it could
0: easily be streamlined for that specific reason and have those be sub-chapters and bring Legion to Grief yeah, that's, into the
1: fold. Full... That's, that's my concession, is I just want it to be streamlined for like...
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, there, there's no reason that ITC and Dan from AOS Shorts and Rob and all those people have those as separate factions. That's legions and the Gash. Those are sub allegiances,
1: yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I guess it's just semantics at this point, and and I concede entirely. <laughs> like I just no, I like yeah, yeah. Just this is the the one exception to it's we call it by the book instead of by the army. It's the exception we make, and we we go our separate ways. Like now that. I, the Skaven
0: clans are a hell of a lot more restrictive than Legions and Gash are.
1: True. True.
0: Because battle lines all restricted, generals are all restricted, like what can be in the army if you want to bring certain things as battle line. Not not just like who can be your general, but what can be in the army at all yeah. is, is restrictive in Skaven. So I that's one of the... But at the same time, I think it's one of the most well-rounded books there is. So, which is, is a fun catch-22. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, that's the flip side of Seraphon, where I think Seraphon's one of the best like, Bones books they've released, like, in terms of just, like, this is what a, that book, this is what, like, a book with, like, like, uh, multi-sub factions and battalions locked behind stuff, this is what that should look like. And I'm like, but, like, one side of it's so clearly better than the other. (laughs) It's not even funny. See, I, I think that's a funny one, because, I I don't know, in the
0: U.S., I see a lot more, uh, coalesced now. Um, in in the UK, I see a lot more Starborn, mm-hmm. so that's kind of one of those splits. At least it was. I haven't really been paying. Attention uh, it's, to the UK yeah, it's the
1: COVID. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but like it, when TTS was first starting to be a thing, all the UK events, Starborn with Croak bombs and all that stuff, were all winning everything. And over in the US meta, it was all the uh, the the uh, Coalesce stuff that was winning everything, because we had a lot of uh, low attack, high rend, high damage stuff. Well, when you cut that damage by one it now doesn't do nearly as much against some things. So, like, I was running, uh, when TTS was first being a thing, I was running um, Thunder Lizards with uh, uh, either Thunderquake or Shadow Strike. was two different lists, mm-hmm. and just running through people with it. Um, so I would argue that Coalesce is the best, but the UK argues that, that Starborn's the best, which That's I think funny. is funny. In, in reality, the issue is that they made that book so efficient synergy-wise that it like it's glorious how efficient that book is but it also means that you have like five threats while other armies have like three threats mm-hmm. and that's that's really what the issue is is the the threat density for those armies is just so off the charts that a lot of armies can't deal with it
1: that's fair that's fair yeah no that's that's more than fair i i just like it from like i said from a blueprint a blueprint standpoint i love the way they they handled oh i love
0: it yeah i love that book it, it... It, and efficiency wise like i said it's it... it's
1: Perfect. It's like giving you a box of Legos and saying like and like and then just like you turn the Lego box on the side and it shows you all the ways you can build it and you're like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it, as a book. Whereas like other things, like they hand me a box of Legos, but half of the Legos are Lincoln Logs, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah,
2: yeah like, like I can't build anything with these
0: Lincoln Logs. These don't belong here whatsoever. Yeah. Like,
2: yeah,
0: I'm, I can only play with these toys, I guess. Like, yeah. It, yeah, that's exactly what it is. There, there is other than rate, uh. Razor Dons being the red-headed stepchild in that book that
1: they got like, punished they got they were getting punished <laughs> from a previous meta but that's one of those things where it's like i want to know how bad it was in
0: playtesting if you think Razor Dons and Salamanders should be the same points like what what to make that slip through the cracks what didn't make it through <laughs>
2: right? like,
0: i i just want to know for curiosity's sake
1: yeah yeah amazing and what a great episode this is the one this is this is everyone's gonna watch this one this was amazing uh, Greg, thank you so much for being on. we should have done this way sooner um, I've enjoyed talking to you in discord just hanging out shooting the shit uh, you know talking about blood bowl or you know the couple times we've ended up just in voice chat just hanging out it's been a real pleasure getting to know you so thank you so much for being on tonight. I love you sharing Absolutely. your perspective on the competitive play and ETC and, and being candid with with uh, with your opinions so I, I really I really enjoyed this episode
0: yeah happy to uh thanks for having me on
1: yeah right on um and i know we were going to mention it earlier but mini stomp hey thank you for helping with the jerseys
0: thanks for helping with the jerseys last year uh that was (laughs) it was awesome i i mean meph and i were talking about who to plug i'm like well i don't really have a podcast i don't really like i don't care about anything else like oh yeah mini stomp helped us out so much so i mean Most of you, I'm sure, already know through other means, but, like, one of the best places online to order anything Games Workshop if you want a a little bit of a discount. Or find, like, random stuff. I I saw on his website that he had a a special edition Skaven book. Um, Just stuff like that that just gets lost in his backlog because he just keeps so much on hand on, most of the online people.
2: Oh,
1: he sold out a Varen recently, and I'm very cross about it. He's like, I've never <laughs> seen I've never seen hundred dollar kits go that fast, and I'm like, I know because you were selling them at the like the lowest legal price one possibly could for Black Friday, and I'm upset that I heard about it late. Um, but he enabled me to collect my Slanesh decision I should have made a couple years ago before I got worried that the community would hate me for being a toxic element if I played an army I, I was interested in. Um, uh I'll make a thumbnail for this YouTube upload. Thank you so much, Sajil. I appreciate that. And Chris cb dropping a thousand RDP to remind everyone that Chat Gang ain't nothing to mess with as we close out this evening. Chat Gang, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. You are the show within the show. You are the reason we do this thing. Greg once more, thank you so much for being with me tonight. And uh remember, drink your milk, pay your taxes, and Petrifex did nothing wrong.